Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This week's episode of the Realest Podcast Ever is sponsored by Vote for Kathy. Tuesday, May 16th, we need all Philadelphia residents at your local polling stations to vote for Catherine Gilmore Richardson for Philly City Council. In 2019, Kathy made history in becoming the youngest woman elected to Philadelphia's City Council. And the only way to ensure she's able to continue all the great work she started is to vote for Kathy in the 2023 primary elections. So Tuesday, May 16th, pull up to the polls and vote Catherine Gilmore Richardson for Philadelphia City Council. This message is TRPE approved. Now on to the show. Y'all's the hate on all of my moves, but now niggas on it. That used to bait me on me and my views, but now niggas on it. I used to tell them I'm going to have me a show, but now niggas on it. Her homies on it. Your homies on it. Y'all's the hate on all of my moves, but now niggas on it. That used to bait me on me and my views, but now niggas on it. I used to tell them I'm going to have me a show, but now niggas on it. Her homies on it. This is funny every time. Like, Realist Podcast ever. We back. It's your boy C Diddy. Y'all know what it is. Do I gotta introduce myself? You don't have to. They, right. It's your show on your channel. Yeah, they know they, who you they, are. At this point, yeah, if it was somebody else sitting in that seat, yeah, that would be weird. Yeah, they need yeah, to introduce yeah. somebody sitting yeah. in your seat. Uh, we got a special guest in the building today, man. Today's guest is a friend of mine, uh, prof- a professional comedian, actor, and a philanthropist. I emphasize professional because he literally makes money off comedy. He's not like, at your grandma's house telling jokes, shit like that. Like yeah. He's actually paid, you know what I mean, and world-renowned for doing comedy. And he mm. literally just got off a road trip today. Uh, but more importantly, like I said, he's a friend of mine, someone I've known for over 20 years, and I've seen his growth and his development into a force in this comedy game. TRP Nation, let's give it up for Lawrence. Yeah, I, I was waiting for that. Because, <laughs> see, I, I, watched, I went back and watched YouTube. I see he got he put that phone out. I was like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's see I, where, like, go, where you go with mine. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, would, I was waiting for it, man. That was solid. That was good. That was uh, good. Chad, is, he's a, you see, I don't even introduce myself. So I that, see that. Yeah, I true. see you don't give a shit. He, <laughs> it's not that I don't. I, I, I kind of just I let him dunk the ball when he need to dunk. The I got ball. you, baby. Yeah, I was I was waiting for that man. But first, I want to say appreciate y'all, man. Um, yeah, no, no doubt. Being on the on the podcast, uh, I know y'all popping now because a couple a couple different occasions. I've been around women and they have mentioned the podcast. So I oh, was so like, that's how that's, so that's when you know what's popping. Yeah. When you're around women that just they don't know you or know they know them, yeah. and they mention the podcast on a different on a couple different occasions that happened to me. So I was like, yeah, well, let's get, the, when we shot, get done, get, let's give it up for the ladies, ladies. Exactly. Yeah, when we get you done. You run them ladies down to me. So we can <laughs> different occasions. Note, you know what I'm saying? Set some grams. Or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Just some your field research. Uh, what's good, brother? I'm good, man. I'm here. I'm here. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Whatever we want to talk about, let's talk about it. I'm I'm here for we'll talk about all, you. All uh, the shit. We'll talk about you. We're gonna talk about some current events. Always. Uh, some historical stuff. I know you got some dope stories for us, man. We just gonna oh. try to cover cover it all, man. Let's go. Uh when did you first get interested in comedy? Cause like I said, I knew you before the comedy. Um I knew you were just a cool nigga with the, with the you know what I'm saying, with the running the cart. Definitely. In the gallery and, 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 and with the breeze, you know what I'm saying? Definitely. Um, the first time, naturally, well, 
to be honest, this is a true story. I I really got interested in comedy by going to church. It, is, it may sound weird. It's but I, starting. It, de- it definitely Start did. a little straight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I used to go to I used to go to um, the church where one of my homies used to take me to his church all the time. And I was just to be honest with you, I was like in awe in how the 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 preacher had everybody's attention. Like gotcha. it just really struck a chord with me that this dude is up here saying these words and all these people or in awe about what he's saying, and he just following what he said. Now I, that was what I was in awe about. So that was where like the the uh, the the wheel started turning. Like, yo, this is something that I I really enjoy. But it didn't really kick in until I started watching Def Jam. That's when it was like, this is something I want to do. Uh, everybody know Def Jam used to come on midnight uh, on Friday, Friday nights night on HBO. Yeah. But my thing was, I didn't have HBO at that time. Uh, my poppy got it later on, so I always had to watch it. Or I don't even know on New Year's Eve they used to play the whole mm-hmm. season, so I remember watching the whole season all night, and then I used to be thinking like, "Yo, that is dope." From like twelve o'clock to like six in the morning, I would watch the whole season. Yeah, you remember and when HBO was a luxury? Facts, Nick. I can. We had facts. HBO, Prism, Showtime, and Cinemax. I'm. I can remember motherfuckers coming to the crib, be like, "Yo, y'all got HBO?" Yeah. <laughs> Like twenty five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, when, that's when I started getting yeah. into it. Like my pop didn't yeah. have it when the season started. He got it like later on, and that's when I was able to watch the whole thing or whatever. Yeah. And then that's like when it really started to like really get into my blood. And then Kevin Hart started popping off, and I was like, man, shit, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And that's when like it really just kicked off. So it wasn't like no point. It was like a bunch of different situations happening, and then it was like, let me try it. And then once I saw somebody that I knew personally that was successful in it, it was like, all right, now that I know it could happen. Because for me, I have to literally see something from somebody I know. Like, y'all, like, all right, this is a successful podcast. I know y'all, so I know it right. can happen. Mm-hmm. It's obtainable because I know people that can actually do it. So that was what it did it for me. Once Kev started doing it, then my man Spank started doing it, and then it was like, all right, I know these people. They come from the same background that I come from. They come from the same schools that I come from. And then it was like, yeah, I actually can do this shit. Can I ask a question? What made you see a pastor preaching and want to do comedy? Or what made you not want to be a pastor? Because I knew I cussed too much for okay, that shit. Okay. Like, and right, I, so that's how. Yeah, that I, bullshit I, is out. I, I cussed way too much. And uh, I've been fucking for a long time. So that's like, I knew that part. I always said I used to, I, I had like ambitions of being a professional poker player. And I always said if that didn't work, I would be a preacher. Because I feel like I could do it. I sweat enough. I feel like I could do that I shit. just, there's too many rules I got to follow that I know I can't. So I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But it was just the idea of that, just watching the guy on stage. Not on stage, but just the control of people. Right. Like, yo. Like as, these, a, uh, as an orator. Facts. Like these words are coming out of his mouth, and these people are, now I don't want to say in control, but they're, they're moving these people with these words that he's saying. Mm-hmm. And that was like, it really struck a chord with me. Mm. So after that, a bunch of different events happened, and then, you know. Got on stage. It's interesting that you brought up Kev and Spank because, you know, I, one of the biggest misconceptions, a lot of people think Kev was like this overnight success. Like, he just oh, came out of nowhere. No. Nah. And people don't realize, like, he really, like, started, like, he at ran the, the bottom. comedy and, gamut. The, the chitlin gamut. Yeah. And uh, he <laughs> really, like, real shit, yeah. Like, that's a, true, that's a true definition of someone who started at point A and now is at point Z. Yeah. Like, he went through the whole alphabet, like, Everyone he went through. Like, it's not no... They was posting funny pictures of each other, and Spank had posted, like, a picture of one of his old Jones. And this was, like, the big button-up shirt era. Facts. And he had on his black button-up with two titty pockets and his big red neck collar. <laughs> Spank it's bad. Said, Spank said, you look like a blackjack dealer. <laughs> 
But then he been he been at it for a minute, man. He's yeah. been he's definitely uh been someone that people don't realize all the stuff he did and where he started at and where where he's at now and the inspiration that he provides for other people like me, like Spank, like all the Philly comedians that want to inspire to do yeah. bigger and better things, man. He definitely put that battery in a lot of people's back. No, that's real. Paint the picture for us. What was the scene like you, Spank, Kev, uh, what other comedians are around that, like, Laugh House era of y'all all building up, trying to, like, find y'all way through comedy? That's that's a very good question. Um, it's not a lot of us, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's not a lot of, of people who stuck with it. Like, when I started, it was uh, basically my class. is uh, me, a guy named Derek Gaines, uh, Richie Retton. Um, yeah, I know great things. Yeah, definitely. Richie Retton, uh, David Temple. Uh, uh, that's a, that's really like my class. There's a lot of other people which I wouldn't know about them. Then it was like the Tommy Two Smooths, the Denny Lives, the Teray Gordons, the Michael Blackstons. It was the Cavs. It was like a lot of people that. But to be honest with you, man, a lot of Philly comedians get stuck being a Philly comedian, and that never was my objective. Yeah. And so, like, a lot of those guys, what they were doing then, they're still doing that now. And for me, I just never wanted to be that guy. Like, from day one, I wanted to travel. From day one, I wanted to tell jokes outside of my city. Uh, from day one, I wanted to explore other uh, audiences, mem- like, audiences, crowds. Like, I yeah. wanted to do all that. And I felt like I noticed it real quick in Philly. A lot of people just was cool with staying here in Philly. I never was like that. So, the scene... Those guys that were doing stuff then, they pretty much doing that now. Right. Yeah, yeah Philly Philly is very uh, parochial, man. Like, Philly people really like Philly. Yeah. And even, it even get even more secular and more, like, down to, like, neighborhoods. So you'll have, like, the neighborhood rapper, the neighborhood comedian, the neighborhood whatever, whatever. And we and, didn't even start to get out of that a little <laughs> bit until, like, social media came. And then it almost, like, forced people interact with one another but for the most part philly is like people really be like big on just like i'm the man in my city and that's like enough and you know what's crazy about that is that you could actually make a living being that yes and that's the part that (laughs) that kills me like you can first the bad news sap business ai won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in southeast asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real world results. That's SAP Business AI. Make a living just being the Philly rapper or the Philly comic. Like, you can be that. And I just want more for my for comedians. Like, for example, it's like comedians that, I looked up to, I am, I'm not going to mention no names, that'd be wrong, but it's comedians that I looked up to when I started. And right now, we're on that same level. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be, I want I want to be able to look up to you. Right. But at this point, there's nothing to look up to because I'm surpassing things that you did. Yeah. Like, I would love it to be a Philly tour where we traveling and going to all these different cities and it's like the guy that I looked up to, he's the main guy. I'm the feature, blah, blah, blah. But now it's at the point where when we go to these other cities, even though I know you're my peer, 
I'm going to have to be the headliner because more people know me. I've yeah. done more things. So that's the one part I, I don't like about it. I, I wish that more of my peers would be in better positions. And don't get me wrong, it's not all due to them. You know, it's the things that they might not recognize when it comes to the business side of it, the things that they might not recognize outside of Philadelphia. So those are the, you know, the different things that goes on that people don't really recognize. Yeah. How important is the business of comedy along with being funny and having like a dope set and being able to tell jokes and reinvent yourself through your talent. But how important is that business to go along with it as far as ascending business to me is number one above being funny. <laughs> I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be as far along as I am if I wasn't so business savvy, to be honest with you, I learned the business part of comedy before I got funny. Got it. Way before I got funny, I knew the business part of it. Like for example, this is just like a little math that I used to do. Uh, at the Laugh House, when I first started, my objective, I told myself, I want to be able to be on stage as much as possible and get paid for it. So when I first went to the Laugh House, every comedian's objective is to be the headliner. You want to be the headliner to show you want your name on the marquee, blah, blah, blah. So every comedian in Philadelphia wanted to be a headliner at the Laugh House. So I went to the Laugh House and I asked myself, hey, I want to be a headliner, blah, 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 what I got to do? She said, all you got to do is have 45 minutes and, you know, be able to work a crowd. I was like, all right, cool. So then I asked her, I was like, um, so when can I, and I was like, kept asking, asking. She's like, look, don't rush to be a headliner. I was like, why? She was like, because you can make more money in other ways. And I was like, how? Being a feature. Yeah. Now, a feature is someone who takes the middle spot as a comedian. So I asked her, how was that possible? She told me as a headliner, you only work the club once a year. Once a year. Oh. $1,500. That's how much you get paid to work in once That's a year. Max. That's the max. So you can only book, you can only work at that club one time. As a feature, you make 500 You can work five to four times a year. So boom, that's already the fourteen—I mean, the $1,500 I made, plus I'm on stage more times. Right. Then she said, not only can you feature, but you can host too. That was two fifty dollars a weekend. So now I can host at least three to four times a year, plus feature four to five times a year, and I'm on stage way more than that one time. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, business-wise, I'm making more money, and I'm working on my craft more. So all I got to do is relinquish the title of being the headliner. Yeah, like, and that's a lot of people's, you know, it's ego. I don't need the ego. I can, pref I would prefer to have more money in my pocket. <laughs> and more exposure. Than, and more exposure rather than be the main guy. So that was how I looked at it. So business to me was always the first thing when it came to that. Even when it came down, I had a night back at the Laugh House called Tickle Me Tuesday. That was the really thing that put me over the top because, I, you know, I knew people. Working at, me and Chad worked at Total Sport, if people who don't know. And I was pretty popular in the city from working at that store. So I used my popularity. Popular, I knew I knew a lot Pop of motherfuckers. You knew a lot of niggas. <laughs> it's like, like Khaled like trying to say jury, jury. <laughs> I knew a lot of niggas. So I used that advantage of knowing a lot of people to put people in the seats and then turn that into a successful night while I was making a lot of money every month. I was packing that bitch out at... Two fifty was a sellout. Twenty dollars a ticket. You do the math, and I was selling that bitch out every month. So I was like, eighteen, nineteen years old, making like five thousand dollars a month just off that one night. Right. And that night f funded everything else. Funded me getting a car. Funded me having a cell phone. Funded me able to take flights. And all this is things that you need as a comedian to travel to other cities to have a functional car that can get you to these cities. Mm -hmm. All that other type of shit. Right. So I used all those things right there and to help me make more money. And business was the thing that I always look forward to. Damn. So if, if your business right, 
you can be halfway funny and still make good money. Even when it comes down to booking yourself on a comedy club, like if you go about it the right way, have a tape, have a, a good headshot, have a working cell phone. Like Chad told me earlier, we talked. He said you had the, the same phone since same phone number since yeah, since I knew you since you know me, and it's a reason for that. When I first got started, Jamie Foxx, I did a, a festival at, in uh, Atlanta called La- Jamie Foxx Laugh Palooza, mm-hmm. and he sat down and talked to all the comedians. He was telling us little things. It was like one of the things a lot of comedians don't have is the same phone number. Keep the same phone number because you don't know who you gave that mm. number to, when that person's going to reach out to you, and you never know. So if you change the number, you can miss an opportunity. So yeah. that was me. Like, look, I'm never changing my number because I don't know who I gave my number to and who's going to call me. And if they call me, they're going to be able to get through because I got the same number. Plus, like, ain't nobody stalking me. Just hit delete. That's all. <laughs> I don't know why people be tripping about phones. Like, oh, he keep calling me. Hit the ignore button. That's all. Yeah, you block. can block them now. Block. Yeah. Like, what's the big deal? People be tripping about phones, but... Yeah, I think a lot of comedians more if we more if they were more business savvy, they would be a lot more further on in their career than just running around here doing shit. Yeah, definitely. Uh, how would you describe your comedic style? What can I, people expect when they come to a Lawrence Killer Brew comedy show? Definitely storytelling. Uh, I love to tell stories about what I got going on in life. Um, so it's more ignorance and uh, <laughs> a lot of storytelling. Definitely ignorant. I tell you that right now, and a lot of shit that goes on in my life, relationships, you know, how I view women, how I view men, how I view society. I don't do a lot of political stuff. I'm not real big on, like, religion and all that, mainly because I don't read a lot. So I'm not reading a newspaper every day. I'm not, you know, I read books, but it's like, you know, shit that ain't educational, to be honest with you. You don't really get into whatever. Yeah, like, I'm not... (laughs) Like, you know, if it don't come on my Instagram feed, <laughs> nine times out of ten, I don't know about it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not real big when it comes to, like, finding out the, the, the depths of, of America and all that type of stuff, man. I try to keep it to my little bubble. Do you tend to write everything, or are you more like a freestyler? Uh, No, I definitely write, but it's not like writing out everything. Like, if something happened, I'll write it down, and then I'll just go on stage and talk about it. Like, recently, my dog, uh, it's the new joke I'm trying to work out. My, I have a, a terrier. But it's a female, and I've been trying to breed her for the past, like, three years. But every time I take her, no dog wants to fuck my dog. So it's like, I got, like, the slut dog, the terriers. It's like, I can't, she don't, nobody wants the pussy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody wants this dog's pussy. I'm like, what's wrong with my dog? So basically, I just write that down, and then I'll just go on stage and talk. And then Different when iterations I, of yeah, it. Yeah, and then I, and whenever I get a laugh... You know, I'll keep that in my mind or I'll listen to it over. Like, oh, I got to laugh there. I can work on that. You know, it's not really me writing out the whole joke. It's just writing down different situations and then trying to find where the funny at is in that situation. Let me ask you this, because looking at stand-up comedy, when you go, like, how do you get to where you can, like, perfect a joke? Uh, like, what's the process of that? To be honest with you, I don't really ever think it's a, a perfected joke. To me, the process of perfecting a joke is you just keep doing it over and over and over and try to punch it up. So, like, in that case, the setup is I have a dog. The The, the story is, okay, I take my dog to get um, to mate her and nobody wants to fuck her. Now your job is to find a punchline from that and then build on top of that. So how you perfect the joke is once I give you the setup, I gave you the actual story and then the punch and building more punches on that so you can keep going and making it longer, that's perfecting it. The longer that joke can go, the better the joke is. This way, because you, you can take a 
a, a five minute bit and turn it into a 25 minute bit just from that right there. So I don't know, cause you can always find new ways to find jokes to be funny. So I don't know if you can ever find a perfect joke. I don't necessarily think I was saying like a perfect ending. I mean, mm-hmm. like getting to where like going on stage for like an open mic night and you like mm-hmm. just how like you say, I'm just trying some shit out to get into where like you're doing your special, like you're doing your filming and you know I'm running with this at this point during that. That take, oh, like I said, this is repetition. Yeah. Repetition over and over and over again. Like even let's use Chris Rock, for example. Like one of the things that annoyed me about Chris Rock special was how people were like, oh, my God, why is he talking about that still? And they don't understand that Chris Rock has been telling those jokes for a year. Mm-hmm. We went well, to see him and they yeah. see So for a year, he's been telling those jokes. So what they don't get is that it's not that he's talking about it now. He's been talking about it. And now this is the finished product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're just seeing it now. And so, it's crazy because seeing him in AC as opposed to the stand-up, there was certain shit that he didn't say from exactly. the AC show, certain shit he expounded on Facts. that he went a little further into. But like the shit with his daughter, he did that in AC. The, exactly. uh, the shit with his wife taking the house, he did that in AC. But even in AC, he went a little further into the divorce and her getting more and dealing with Definitely. divorce. And he cut a lot of that out for this. So, it's so like, that's like trimming the fat. It's right. like, okay, I don't need this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I don't need this word. Like, sometimes you tell a joke and you realize, okay, I don't need to say that. Even cuss words. Sometimes where I'll, I'll cuss in my set on stage and listen to it like, I didn't need to cuss there. Why, why is it there? So it's a lot of tweaking, a lot of looking at stuff, cutting the fat, and then working on it. So it's just a lot of getting on stage, saying these jokes, listening to them, watching yourself. Even, like, certain movements will make a joke funny. If the eyes get big, mm-hmm. if you, you know, you move your hand a certain way, if you sit down, facial expressions, a lot of that stuff makes the joke better. And you get that from doing it over and over and over again. I see what you're saying. With, uh, last part of that, with you, do you, do you ever go on stage like trying some new shit out thinking like, oh, this is going to be it and it, and it don't be it? Oh, all the time. Okay. Nigga. All the time. <laughs> you throw something out there and it's crickets. And you just <laughs> oh, it's many a times. Like John Rule at the Bucks game, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, y'all ain't find that Yo, funny. Oh, that ain't it. All right. Oh, that ain't it. All right. But the, the the craft of it is is to not let the crowd know that you did that. So that and that takes years too. So for me, it was more so like if I throw it out there and it don't work, don't let them know that it didn't work. You know it didn't work. Right. But the, the the craft of not letting them know is what it is. But man, plenty of times, just this weekend. I threw some stuff out there, and it was just like, oh, y'all, oh, that's crazy. Like, oh, yeah, all right, cool. Where was you, you know, at? I was, damn, what was I just at? Just told uh, Buffalo, Albany, oh, Connecticut. Buffalo, Al- Albany, Connecticut. I did all three of those cities just now. But Buffalo was dope, but uh, Albany, I threw some out there. Because for me, when it, this is going to sound weird, when the crowd is smaller, mm-hmm. I get, I'm more confident. Because I feel like there's not a lot of people here. I can say what I'm I actually want. the opposite when it comes to like the podcast shit. I, I like more people. Yeah, I like I like better. small intimate crowds because it, it leaves me ro- more room to mess up, and I, I don't care. Big crowds like I got to get this right because there's too many people here, too many eyeballs. So it's like yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I so just for me, big crowd, somebody's like drunk, somebody gonna laugh. Facts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Somebody. But to be honest with you, big crowds are easy to rock though. 
You know what I mean? It's like real easy, especially if the energy's right, because laughter travels. That's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a big, a big room for me. Killing that, I don't get nothing from that. Killing a small crowd of 15 people, now that's work. Like literally, I just had a show in Atlanta, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. Bomb, nobody showed up. It was like eight people there. But I had a great fucking time because those people were connected. Like, the energy was there. I was able to tell stories. I was able to get into my zone. Like, a lot of these things were able to happen. And then you build material that way because you don't care. When you don't care about what you're saying, you build material because you're not worried about what they think. You just want to get this shit off and let these people get what you got to say. So it allows you to be more fearless because Definitely. it's not as many. Because yeah, who gonna say something? It's eight people. <laughs> who gonna fucking believe y'all? Like, so in a, in a, in a <laughs> who gonna believe y'all? Nigga lying. In a scenario no, like that. Me. <laughs> in a scenario like that where you're booked to come somewhere, you come do your motherfucking job, but there's only eight people there. Who does that fall on? Who's fault? It dep- well, that's where the business come in. Like for me, whenever I do shows, certain ones that I, I don't feel like. I have a big following or that a lot of people might not show up, you get a guarantee. Okay. You know, so you go into there with your contract or my agent reaches out to him and say, hey, he wants to come. His guarantee needs to be this number. And after that number, you'll get the majority of the of it. Got so it. So, like, I kind of knew it was because it was like one of those midday, midweek shows where someone called out and it was like, hey, Lawrence, we need somebody uh, to come. It's like a fill-in. Yeah, they was like, we need somebody to fill in. You want to come down and do the show? I was like, all right, cool. So I had my agent reach out, send him my contract. My contract said, hey, he wants to get this guarantee. But if it goes over a certain amount of number, then the club makes the money. Got so it. So it's like, if it, after 200 people, the percentage switch from now I get... Uh, forty percent in the club gets sixty. Got it. So, so that's it, how it I cover. Yeah, that's yeah. how I cover my ass when it comes to people not showing up. And uh, they definitely didn't show up. I ain't gonna lie. To <laughs> ain't nobody show up to that Atlanta show. I ain't gonna lie. Do you ever feel like you get in situations where you got to change up your material based on the crowd? Not change up my material, but change up how I talk. So like I noticed, <laughs> I real shit. Like I, I'm not even lying. Like I noticed, like when I was in Hartford. You know, I went up there. What's up, man? Yo, what That's up, Connecticut nigga? for all our black listeners. Yeah, you yeah. right there. I'm like, what's up, my niggas? Y'all all right? Y'all good? Like, this, the, the swag and the voice was right. different. When I was in Buffalo, I was like, hey, what's up, man? How y'all feel? Everybody all right? Y'all good? Like, it's just a different tone. You know, it's not necessarily, I'm not necessarily changing my jokes. I'm just changing my tone for the people that's in the audience. Because it was definitely more white people in Buffalo than it was for Hartford. Really? I would have thought it would have been the other way around. No, it's it a lot like, of niggas in Buffalo. It was, but it wasn't, they weren't there that night. <laughs> it, was, it must have been that At the uh, Benny Show. Well, At the Benny Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, because this weekend, it was it was St. Patrick's Day, right? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. St. Patrick's Day, so a lot of that, because right where the club was at, it was like the hockey stadium, then it was a lot of bars. So a lot of the people that were celebrating St. Patrick's Day flooded over into the comedy show. So I noticed a lot of people in there that was majorly white and they had a lot of green shit on so that's what I was thinking it was I was thinking oh. it was uh, St. Patrick's Day really that had shit popping okay. you know niggas have repurposed St. Patrick's Day niggas repurposed any time to go N- niggas have turned it into James St. Patrick's Day oh. I, I posted it on my Instagram I put the, <laughs> like I put I put a video of all these white people I took a picture I, I put the, the theme song of power over top of it and I was like this is the only St. Patrick's that I'm celebrating right here this ghost Ghost. Ghost has become a cultural figure in Facts. black life. He is. The whole show is. Show is terrible anyway. It's so bad. So bad. But they be throwing that shit on though. I ain't gonna lie to you. I they got the best stylists. Power, power, in, ghost in television. They be throwing that shit on. Yeah. All them little motherfuckers got that shit. 
Mm. Yeah, I'm just kind of shocked that it was all white people at Buffalo. I just, I mean, it wasn't all Buffalo, but I mean, all white people, but it was definitely the majority of the people were white in the audience. And do, you, just, do you have a favorite city outside of Philly? Uh, shit, to be honest. You even like Philly. He like Philly ain't on the list. <laughs> I was about to say that. I, I like Philly. I, I like, I love performing in Philly, but it's not my favorite city performing in Philly. The reason it's not my favorite is not because of the city. It's because for me, you get a better reaction from the crowd when people don't know you. Mm-hmm. People are, like you said, the best supporters are going to be people you don't know. Yeah. It's the same way with comedy. The best of people that's going to support you somebody that's never seen you before. So when I'm doing shows in Philly, it's my family, it's my friends. So, you know, it's people that be like, oh, he funny, he ain't that funny. So it's never really Go up like, there and be funny, Nick. Yeah. Yes. It's never really that genuine, like, I've never seen this dude before. I appreciate what he's right, bringing to the right. stage. It's always a little bit, that's my man's right there. I'm coming down to show him love, blah, blah, blah. So that's why I would say Philly's not the best. But I've, to be honest with you, I've had some of my best shows in the uh, Ohio area. Columbia, okay. I'm not Columbia. Columbus, uh, Toledo, uh, Dayton, Cincinnati, like all that area. I don't know what it is about the Ohio area, but I've had some great shows in that area. I can't put can't put the pin on which one was the best, but some of my best sets have happened in those areas right yeah, there. Cam used to get it out there. Apparently. Facts. Yeah. So who knows? Oh, damn. Ohio though is black as shit. Believe it me. is. Ohio's super I don't know black. if it's a Dave Chappelle thing, but like <laughs> they I, giving niggas a fair shot yeah, out. Ohio. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like I've literally had some of my best times performing like on stage and some of my sets that I've been able to get like used as tapes for auditions. I've gotten all from a city that was in Ohio. Is there any city you ever hit and you just like this? This is it. I'm never this get one. me out like on some yeah. Lil Wayne shit. Get me out of here. I mean, this is probably gonna mess up if they ain't nobody gonna see this shit. Um, <laughs> no, I'm saying from this city. Yeah. Ain't nobody gonna say it from this city. Wichita, Kansas. Yo, I swear to God, I don't know why I was thinking it was gonna be a Kansas or Oklahoma. Yo, city. Wichita, funny, Kansas, man. I perform. I perform this club there every year, and I just, I just don't like it, man. Don't. I mean, I, I have fun. I just, just never like a good time. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's work. Like yeah, like it's work. Like I'll be like, oh, like I look at like when I get my schedule, like my my agent sends me my schedule every two months, and when I look at it, and I like, oh. I got Wichita coming up. Like, it's just nothing to do. It's just... It's just as far not. as, like, getting on stage, or do the people receive you well? Yeah, like, I had, like, the jokes. I'm They're, they're laughing, but it's just not a... Like it's not, like, clan rallies and shit. No, 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 no. Okay. Like, how can I put it? It's just not, like... Like, they're laughing, but they're not laughing. Like, some cities, like, you know, black people, we laugh. We yeah. laugh. Yeah. Like, they, we're cut up. having a good time. And Wichita, like, it's like, okay. <laughs> Keep going. Ah, it's just, it's just more them jokes, yeah, nigga. Yeah, it's just, it's just not as, it's, it's not fun. It's yeah. not really fun. I, I, I go there because I get paid. <laughs> I enjoy it. The money just, is good. Yeah. yeah, the money great. Uh, but my flight is first thing in the morning, yeah, six a.m. I'm gone. I feel you. So yeah, but Wichita probably the one that it's not most enjoyable to go to. I can dig. I that. hope nobody sees this from Wichita. Y'all got Wichita followers. A little bit. Shit. I, I, we've been uh, broadcast pretty much in every state in the United States where people are. Damn. So, like, South Dakota, North Dakota, Kansas, it get a little murky. Wyoming, it get a little murky. Mm. But everywhere where it's, like, humans, we, we're represented gotcha. yeah. on, on some form of a scale. You briefly touched on the, on the Chris Rock Selective Outrage uh, special. What was your overall thoughts on it from um, 
What's up, podcast land? It's your boy C. Diddy, one half of the realest podcast ever. Are you tired of the same boring, unoriginal podcast that lack depth, originality, and substance? Well, I got a solution for you. Join us here every Monday and Thursday on Revolt Podcast Network for the realest podcast ever, where we bring you the best in entertainment news, fashion, sports, music reviews, politics, and street culture with a mixture of the most powerful guests that you're going to find anywhere on the internet. Join us every Monday and Thursday for the realest podcast ever. Like an art standpoint of what he presented and how he executed it. I think it's, it's great. I thought it was excellent because Chris Rock is what you would call a craftsman when it comes to telling jokes. Mm-hmm. Like he's not naturally funny. He's someone who really sits down and breaks down jokes. And it's a setup, punchline, setup, punchline. He digs within each topic and brings out the funny. Yeah. Like if you, I'm pretty sure if you hang around Chris Rock, he's not the the funny, always on on type comedian. He's more so like he works at his craft. So if you really break down his jokes, you see how he sets it up, and then he digs and he pits all these different jokes within it, and he breaks it down, and then it's like that's a masterpiece of a joke like all his specials are like that so for that part of it i thought it was dope now in the ending part i thought it was just a nigga getting some shit off his chest yeah i just thought he was mad and it, and it I heightened it because it was live on tv and he just got some shit off his chest i don't see i didn't see anything wrong with it. is it the funniest one he's ever had no i don't think so but i still think it was brilliant uh like i said i, I thought he was a, he's always been a great writer i didn't even know uh, one of my uh peers writes for him too not writes his jokes, but he helped some punches and stuff. And then Keith Robinson, and he was telling yeah. me about the special and stuff. And I thought that that was really dope. Like I liked it. I have no problems with it at all. Did y'all like it? You like? I it? loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I thought I'm it was a Chris Rock fan. I, I loved it. I, I always fuck with everything he does. Even down to his timing and how he it was like a slow build. We talked about it on the show. Like it was like a slow build where it's like it just progressively got funnier. Yeah, he was and, laying down a trail of selective outrage to get to the end. I thought it was decent. But it's funny that you say that. That. I also don't look at him as like this quick-witted, off-the-cuff. And it's funny because I, I told you before we started, I'm re-watching his show from HBO, the Chris mm-hmm. Rock show. And you can see it in there where, like, there are a lot of times where he would, like, fumble words and not True. really. He, he Almost like he couldn't read the teleprompter and shit <laughs> at the beginning. But you could see when he does, like, his setup shit, he was phenomenal. But then when he would have interactions like off the cuff, he would almost like stutter or fumble or mm-hmm. not really have the the genius little yeah, that quick with it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's yeah. totally it's a bunch of different types of comedians. Like um, people that y'all probably wouldn't know. One of the guys I think is the most funniest to be around is uh, Tony Roberts. I don't know. If you okay. Know. Yeah, Tony, no, Tony Roberts. Roberts. Like he's one of those dudes that is funny naturally. Funny. Tony Roberts s- is uh, Dave Chappelle's mentor, right? No, that's Tony. That's um. That's uh, Tony Woods. Tony Woods. Tony, Tony Woods. Tony yeah. Roberts is a guy that uh, he's been in the game. Yeah. yeah. yeah Tony Roberts. Is he's just like, guy. like that's a com- a comic that's just funny all the time. Just mm-hmm. like it's just off the cuff yeah. stuff coming off his head. It's just crazy. Chris Rock is more of a craftsman. He did, sits down and he dissects a topic and he comes up with different jokes within it. And I think it's dope. Like everybody can't do that. You know what I mean? But like I said, I thought the special was dope. I wish people stopped talking shit about it. I wish people, like you said, be selective with their rage. It's just, <laughs> it's ridiculous people out here. Like, I don't like talking to people no more. Like, I hate talking to niggas. Prime example today, I uh, I was in Chipotle. 
Right, so uh, this little girl was in there getting the... Um, Chipotle's becoming the hub of a lot of nonsense. <laughs> it is. As of recent. It is. It's, it's getting a little... Not a good getting, spot. It's nah. getting a little niggerish in there. So I go in there, I'm ordering my food, and in front of me was this girl who ordered... Oh, she had an interview. This young lady had an interview. She had literally had pajamas and Crocs on. Literally. For a job interview. For a job interview, right? So my point... So I took a picture of her from the bottom up because I didn't want to put her face in it. And bottom I, down, you mean? Bottom down. There you go, bottom down. My bad. And... um. I posted on Facebook and I was like, yo, this is crazy. What kids don't dress up for interviews no more. Literally, everybody on the post was saying she probably didn't have it. She probably, you know, she couldn't afford it. And my problem was, no, and I was like, that actually wasn't the case because I talked to the young girl. I, I did. <laughs> hey, I did. Yeah. on my Facebook. Kill it or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I talked to her, asked her, like, you know, and she was like, nah, this is what I wanted to wear, blah, blah, blah. But the thing that killed me was instead of, Finding a solution for it, they was giving excuses. Yeah, like instead of like, instead of saying, "Oh, she don't have the money to do it," why are we not finding a reason or a solution to her finding clothes for the wear the shit? Mm. And it's just like it was like everybody was just excuses, excuses, excuses. Instead of fixing the fucking problem, I'm saying like, why are we so wrapped up in the actual issue and not fixing the shit? Because people feel like this generation right now of people um, are more, quote unquote, in touch with their feelings and their thoughts and stuff like that than generations before on an emotional intelligence scale and this and this. So their first trigger is like empathy. Like that's the first thing that they go to. Not necessarily understanding that it's like, yo, everything isn't about your goddamn feelings Mm -hmm. or how you feel or trying to make an excuse for something or try to create like this world where it's like there's some invisible force holding you back or whatever. And it's like, no, once upon a time, there was a, a, a right and a wrong way to do things. And when people didn't do shit the right way, we was allowed to call them out for exactly. not doing yeah. shit the right way. What? And now that shit is removed from like existence. Because everybody creates this what if scenario in their brain where it says, well, what if her parents is on fentanyl? Or what if, you know, and it, it just, that a lot of times this just isn't the case. What if you... Yeah, what if, you, what if you just fucked off? Like, what if that... Because like, I literally asked her. I was like, yo, is that how y'all just... Like, I was like... Because when we was just chilling, I was like, that's how people dress for interview now? She's like, this is what I wanted to wear. Like, that's what she said. Like, I asked her. I was, I was really intrigued. I asked, So, I want... It was, I wasn't even thinking about the whole, like, is she financially got money and all that. I just asked her, like, is that how people dress on interviews? Just because I was curious. Yeah. And then when she told me, she's like, this is what I wanted to wear... That kind of like, that was sparked my post because it was like, so kids don't dress up right. no more. But it was all these excuses on my post about. Because realistically, you know, what happens if you lean over and say, yo, can I ask you a question? Do you, do you have clothes for an interview? Like, on some, I want to help you out type then shit. She wants, and she said, you get the fuck out of my face. Get the fuck out of here, dumbass nigga. You greasy ass nigga. <laughs> <laughs> you like, what the fuck? So it's really no, I, no bullshit. It's funny you brought that up. This was. Three years ago, I was driving to 48, and it's 9.30 at night, and these three kids get on the bus. And the oldest one out of the <laughs> clique might have been, like, 10. Like, he was, like, 10. The other two were, like, 8. This is 9.30, 10 o'clock on the 48. They're getting on the bus. So I'm just, like... <laughs> like, <laughs> like, all right, now. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? And they, he just, like, yo, we need a ride down to, to Gerard. And I'm, like, for what? And he was just, like, you're going to catch the trolley. And I'm, like... Come here, y'all. I'm like, is somebody waiting for y'all at 29th and Lehigh? Or y'all just, he like, oh, no, we about to go out of West Philly. I'm going to my grandma's career, take my little brothers out there. 
We ain't got no bread, though. You know what I'm saying? We need to ride down 29th Lane. I'm just like, what y'all going to do to get on the 15 at 29th and Gerard if you ain't got no money? He same was, scheme. No bullshit. He was like. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and nobody's freaking out about this shit. I, I like, this, this is wrong on, like, every fucking level. Facts. But I can't even interject because it's like, what more am I going to say? So I'm, I'm really like tripping off about it. We get to 29 million. I'm like, young boy, yeah, y'all ain't got like somebody who can like come and da da da. He was just like, yo, oh, just drive the bus. <laughs> I, do this, all, I do this all the time, yo. Like you doing a he lot. He was like, you doing way too much. Oh, just drive the bus. <laughs> I was just like, you got it, man. I just don't. I, that's. I just don't like. I really don't like how people don't hold people accountable no more, man. Accountability is out of like it, the like league. My whole yeah, point was with. like instead of just debating on why she doesn't have on proper attire, why are we not trying to fix the problem that she she really thinks is cool to come to an interview exactly. like this? I mean, that's not that's the problem. And it comes down to perspective because in my eyes, when I see somebody at a job interview with pajama pants and Crocs on, I assume that's a person that don't give a fuck. Exactly, not a person that. Don't have it's just like oh you just think you could do whatever you want. I mean at the end of the day though, parents come up to schools like that. Like you, you are who you hang around. Yeah, listen, that, that's a reality. At the end of the day, you I, I see it all the time. Moms come up with nothing on this, that, and the third bonnets and all that crazy shit. That that's normal. I just uh, is to me. I just that's why I don't like talk. Like for me on my social media, I hardly comment back. I don't like talking to people, man. Oh yeah, that's terrible. it's just everything is a is a is a is a argument. Everything is a back and forth, and none of it is about fixing the actual situation. None of it is about fixing the problem. None of it is about all right. How do we fix it? Like everybody got a story about what it is. Like I don't want to hear your story. How can we fix the situation? Stop talking about what the problem is. Are right, we know whatever it is that you're going right. through? We understand you going through it. How can we fix it? And I've always been like that. I'm not a. I'm not big on sob stories. I'm not big on you know why you in the position that you in. Call me when you want me to help you, and you got and you want me to help you fix this problem. Right. That's when you call me. Don't call me when you want to talk about what happened. You want to cry. I don't want to hear that shit. Right. I want to fix whatever you got going on. That's it. I'm, I don't want to see you in this position. So for me to see you in that position, tell me what you need me to do or let, let me help you do what you got to do. But I don't want to hear the sob shit. But you also can't be in that position. And when I question it, you be like, fuck you. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Nigga, we live in life. <laughs> that, that's where shit yeah, is How really, do we get here? Yeah, that shit is really murky at that point. <laughs> Let me ask you this real quick. Being a comedian, do you feel like social media has hindered or helped? Well, if you were there before, then the blow up of it. See, well, I, yeah, well, all right, this is great. Uh, for me, social media has definitely helped me and has hindered me. Mm-hmm. For one, before, or I'm gonna keep it real, right before the pandemic, I was doing pretty well. But the pandemic made me realize that this shit could be taken away like that. Like, literally. Yep. I had no idea what I was going to do. If it wasn't for, you know, a situation that I was in, I'd probably be, like, fucked up. Mm -hmm. So I got on the Internet. A young lady named Ty Davis said, Lawrence, you start getting on the Internet, you start making videos, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, I'm a true comedian. I'm not doing that shit. 
She said, just do it. Started getting on the internet, started making videos. Started getting more followers, started getting more followers. Once I got my followers, I started monetizing. And as soon as I started monetizing, the money came in, like, super fast. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, I can't believe I'm making this money. So now, I can't be mad at these internet dudes that be on there making that money because I see what they're getting. And I know they're getting way more than me. And what I get, I'm cool. Like, yeah. literally for... Yeah, I saw you just got the cash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew, I, I knew like, like, literally, like, literally, this is no bullshit. Like, literally for about three months... I was paying my rent with my monetization off of Instagram, mm-hmm. like paying my rent. Right. And I got a, I got a nice place. So I'm like, this shit is good. So for me, financially, if you use it the right way, it will help you. Mm-hmm. If you get to invest it in it emotionally, that's when it's going to hinder you. Yeah, now, like, you, now you're driving the you feel Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like for me, I have no emotions on social media. Like I don't take nothing personal. I don't take, you know, I, I don't care about comments. For me, I'm here to post my videos Create content and make a revenue. That's it. That's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. So, and to get more people to recognize who I am. That's it. Once you take the emotional part out of it, I think people will be a lot further along with social media because they so worried about what this person say, what that person say. Like literally, when I when I started popping, when I started getting more followers on Instagram and making a lot of money, was when I didn't care about if the whatever I was posting was funny. I just cared about posting right. on Instagram. Before I was like, oh, if I post this, it's not gonna be funny. Now, I post at 9, 3, and 6. Every day, I just post a video, whether it's funny or not. Somebody's going to find it funny and just keep it going like that. So, to me, it's, it's business. It's a job. Yeah. It's just a job for me. That's it. I don't care what you think about it. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you, you know, you, you don't post it, whatever. I'm just keep posting because I'm a fine. You find said 9, 3, and 6? 9, 3, and 6. Write that down, down, Dan. 9, nine 3, and, and 6. six. That's when I post. It's just it's a, it's an algorithm thing for me. I just if I post it those three times, that's what I know the most people get it. Cause for me, like I said, it's just always I'm a numbers guy. So I notice when people get up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? Look at your phone. Yep. So around nine o'clock is the time either you going to work, you on the toilet taking this shit, getting dressed, or you, or you just at, got to work, or you just got to work. So boom, you gonna look at your phone, you might see it. Mm-hmm. Three Niggas ain't o'clock. doing nothing at work till about twelve thirty. Exactly. <laughs> to me, three o'clock is the most time either people just got is, done doing the work from twelve. Exactly. <laughs> you ready to go home? Yeah. You ready to go home or whatever? Yeah. You on your break or something like that? And then six o'clock is when people usually get home. They preparing dinner or they just relax and you just get home. And what you do? You want to sit down and just look at your phone? Right. So for me, those were the times that I looked at in my mind where most people were looking at their phones. So for me, that's when I started posting. I see what you said. So for me, like I said, everything is really a numbers thing for me. I look at my, I look at my, uh, when the most city where I got people at, all that, and that determines when I post, how I post, and all that type of shit. I so, try to. So the point that you was making about, uh, you know, you having no feelings and you, you know, being a more traditional comedian and then getting into the social media world, what do you think has caused so much of the battle between? The stand-up guys and then the internet skit-based comedians. Money, money. The 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 internet dudes are getting booked, and the traditional comedians not. That's all it is. Because yeah. trust me, I, I guarantee you, if if the traditional comics was getting booked and getting as much love as they was, they wouldn't be complaining. Right. That's all it's about. Like all this is an ego thing. It's not about oh you not being true to the game. Why would you care if you making money too? Yeah. Right. Like, why would you give a shit? Like, yeah, if y'all yeah. podcast is popping, why do you care if the dude podcast across the street popping? Man, listen. You don't, you don't care. Y'all is popping. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, for me, I feel like it's just it comes down to money and ego. The traditional dudes are mad because they're not getting 
the light that they're supposed to be getting. And the reason the Instagram dudes do it because they're on Instagram. That's what people are at. Yeah. So my thing is stop complaining about it and get and with just the program. Because yeah. my thing is if you know you're funnier than this dude, all you got to do is get noticed. So do something to get noticed. Get on Instagram. Do whatever you got to do. Yeah. Take that emotion out of it. That's what I said. It goes all the way back to emotion. If they take that out of it and just get on there and do what they're supposed to do. Like, oh, I'm not making these videos. This is some bullshit. All right, well, look, they're going to keep making these videos, and they're going to keep getting 20000 a show, and you're going to be in here complaining. <laughs> like, that's all, all it took with me is to get my first check from Instagram. That's like, all, all right, we're going to post every day. That's, that's all it took for me. What's I so I could make money with just sitting in the crib? Let's go. I'm rocking. I don't care what y'all think. Like, you ain't got to tell me twice. So after that, you know, it was just on and popping from there. And there's so many resources out there to help people develop content strategies and shit like that. And so many tools at your disposal. It's like, why wouldn't you if it's going to elevate the main thing that you do? Right. And it's like, you got to you gotta let the main thing be the main thing. And you got to meet people where they at. So if everybody's on Instagram, all your competition, all your peers, whatever, whatever. And you're the only one that's like holding out for some altruistic ass reason. It's like, well... You're still not making the money, so Facts. so like, what's the what's the point here? Like, I don't see why they complain about it though, man. It's just they complain a lot, yo. I mean, it's an era thing. Like we went through it in rap, we went through it in basketball. We go through it in basketball every day. We go through it in cars. It just it's it's what it is. The eras is always gonna find they goats and they guys, and then they're gonna look at the new era that changes things and does things differently. Like y'all on that, but what Mona say? We used to walk to the comedy club and walk <laughs> home. Like that shit is like you no, know. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that, man. I, I saw a clip, man. I wanted to talk to you about that, brother. I, you, you said that uh, LeBron was better than Jordan. You said that. Yes. You said that? Okay. I, I I had to disagree with you with that, brother. And I just the only reason no, I, you don't. It, I, I get it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're right. I did. I just wanted to. I wanted to. Not that I. I'm not here to say like I'm the argument or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to see what do you feel about the fact that okay, Jordan has done like you said. You was basically breaking down. If y'all don't know, if y'all, it's a great clip though. He really broke yeah, it, it down. Seems like three million views. Yeah, right he there. really broke it down to exactly. where how you can argue that LeBron James has had three different. Hall of Fame careers, and I give it to you. That was a great breakdown. Mm-hmm. I was looking at it this way. I think Jordan has done, did more than LeBron. LeBron did in less time. Basically, got more champions and shit. LeBron's twenty years going. Mm-hmm. Jordan was fifteen. He's got more scoring titles, got more championships, he got more awards, and he's did it with less talent than than LeBron has. I That's what I was that. looking at. It. I was looking at it like. He's done more in less time. Like, if Jordan was able to play longer, who would have known what he did? So, that's what, that was the only, re, like, I guess, I don't want to say rebuttal. Uh, I just want to retort that mm-hmm. to you. I think what it is, and I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole with it. I think, like I've said with the rap argument and same thing with the basketball argument, there's no right or wrong answer. Facts. It's preference. And the way I say it now when it comes to Jordan and LeBron it's all-out dominance in a vacuum and mm. extended greatness. There you go. Which one do you like? I Me, personally, I'd rather have a solid, running, good-ass car for 20 years mm. as opposed to a spaceship for three years. Facts. And that's just kind of what it is. And everybody's different. Everybody views it different. Me in that video, it wasn't to shit on Jordan. Mm. It was to basically say, when you really look at what, like, when we talk about people like Paul Pierce or people like, 
Anthony Davis or Dwight Howard or Clay Thompson or any of these people who are considered the best players in NBA, mm. if they were to do any of the things LeBron did on any one of his stretches, you go to the Hall of Fame. Thanks. If you play in the NBA and in your career you win Rookie of the Year, you make six All-Star teams, you take a team to a finals, and you win two MVPs, you go to the Hall of Fame. You know how I know? Allen Iverson went to the finals once and won an MVP. He's in the Hall of Fame. Patrick Ewan went to the finals once, didn't win an MVP. He's in the Hall of Fame. Still in the Hall of Fame. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, that's reality. Carl Malone won two MVPs, went to two finals, he's in the Hall of Fame. True. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like these things that LeBron was doing in his stretches were Hall of Fame careers. Gotcha. When he went back to the Heat, he legit went to four finals, one two finals, one two MVPs, one two finals MVPs, one Sports Illustrated Man of the Year, and one Associated Press Player of the Year, and one two gold medals in a four-year stretch. If you do all of that in your career, you go to the Hall of Fame. There you go. So that was more so what I was saying in that video, and people kind of took it to where it was like, you know, when you once you get to 3 million views, you're going to see some crazy comments. Oh. Hey, brother, you know what I'm saying? You ain't saying nothing. I get, I, you Man, get somebody, to somebody 20,000 views. Somebody said comments that have you really just like, God damn. Like you, you, <laughs> let me tell you something. What's funny about Instagram, man, like people, okay, my, um, in my profile, it says comedian, right? Mm-hmm. It says comedian. In the profile, 99% of my content is funny shit. And then you will get two or three people every time that want to be fucking serious. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not here to be serious. I'm here to make you laugh. I don't care what it is. They're, like, I talk about this dude on my post. Uh, what's the nigga name? I call him Safety Pin. Um, Safety Pin? <laughs> yeah, uh, Shamar. You know the dude that, he, you ever see him on Instagram? Uh, he walked, he got like a, what the fuck is his name? Shamar, dude, he from Atlanta, Never mind. You don't know. All right. <laughs> you know I, yeah. I call him a. I, 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 yeah, I, I do. He kind of looked like a, a Iken mask. Yeah. yeah I, I used yeah. to call him. I said he looked like a, a bent safety pin. That's what I said he looked like. <laughs> but I took the bent out and I just started <laughs> calling him safety, safety pin. Yeah. So that's what I call him, whatever. So when I talk about this dude, you always get somebody on there that's like, yo, why would you talk about him? That's not right. And I'm like, he talks about himself. Yeah. Like, he's making fun of himself. Why am I. Like why can't I do it? Yeah. Like if like yeah. for me, that's one of the rules I got on Instagram. I never talk about anybody that doesn't talk about themselves first. Mm-hmm. If they talk about yourself on your post or on your page, then I think it's a green light. Open it up to public fire. Exactly. Like, yeah. Anybody that's like, if they on there serious about what they got going on, I never talk about them. But if you open the game, then I'm going it. But my thing is people just be so serious, so wanna be deep, so wanna be like, oh my God. Everybody wants to get that? the pinned comment. And and that 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 is just a weird world to exist in. It's just it's terrible at times. Let me ask you this: It's funny because the whole LeBron Jordan thing, going back into comedy with it. Do you feel like the goat can be different than the best, or does it have to be the same person? No, that that is a fucking excellent question. Because I, I look at it. Because I was going to ask, do you do you have a comedy <laughs> goat? Because I, I have a comedy goat, but I don't think he's the best. Cause see, yeah, cause and then I, that also isn't my favorite. I get you. So I think it's a, it's a goat, but I don't think put it to you like this. I think it's a goat, but I don't think he's that funny. So who do you think is a goat? Like I think Richard Pryor is the goat. That's what I think too. But I don't find his comedy that funny. I think Richard Pryor is the goat. I think Dave Chappelle is the best. But my exactly. personal favorite is Paul Mooney. There you go. Like so, for me, I find Richard Pryor is the goat, but I do definitely think Dave Chappelle is better than him at comedy. 
But then for me, I had my favorites. So, like, that's how it rolled for me. Like, for me, my favorites is always going to be Philly. Because, like I said, without Philadelphia Comics, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So, Teray Gordon, Spank, Tommy Too Smooth, Denny Live, Charles Walden, even the ones that's not even funny. I'm not going to say their names, but those dudes also. <laughs> Yo, do you know who I used to love that you used to have at your shows? Who? Pretty Smiles, man. Oh, my God. Pretty Smiles was a nigga with his whole front teeth whole missing, gone. but his name was Pretty Smiles. Oh, whole gone. He like, was hilarious, he, man. Oh, that's, that's my he man. He was like a super, we talking about Philly comedian, oh. super Philly, like, neighborhood shit. Yeah, yo, he and his, definitely and in the material. hood. He's talking about roaches. He's talking about <laughs> crackheads. Like, he's a, he's a true Philly dude, and, he, and that's my guy right there. Yeah, but, I think at times we kind of blur them lines with like goat best all, and it's just sometimes there's somebody who just, as far as that goat thing, where it's like you kind of e- eclipse facts. Even everybody. with the even with the Jordan Lebron shit, like I think Lebron is a better like you just basketball player. I think he does more things better. It's not even than close. Jordan. It's not close. Like physically. You know, all that stuff is just, even with time, like, you have to, you're going to get better regardless. But is, do I feel like he's a better player? No, I will still take Jordan over. But if you just strip away all their, uh, shit, stats, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck that word is, if you strip away all that shit and just have them two standing next to each other and do, like, based on their abilities, LeBron would be a better person. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just, you have things, like I said, that just, think about when Jordan came down the lane in 91 and did the up and under mm-hmm. against the Lakers. When you really look at the move, it's like, it's not that great. But the moment Facts. was larger than the move. Exactly. LeBron has 88 moves that are better than that that he's done. But that was, that moment was, look, Michael Jordan literally left basketball to play fucking wiffle ball and made a movie out of the shit. Facts. That became a larger than life thing because R. Kelly's on a fucking soundtrack. Facts. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so you have these moments. Look at, I say it all the time with Jay-Z. I think Jay-Z's the GOAT. I don't think he's a better rapper than Nas. That's just sometimes it's just... It's like that. And I think, again, there's no right or wrong. Definitely. So, like, how you could just say your favorite comedian is Kevin Hart and, you know, Spank and these people. But it's like me, my favorites are Patrice O'Neill and True. Paul Mooney. His I think it's like are, that with comedy, too. I don't know. Who you, Shang or something? <laughs> Shang. <laughs> Pierre. Pierre. <laughs> it says Shang and Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's another one, too, with comedy. Not everybody's going to laugh at the same rate that True. everyone else. Some people are super duper low-hanging fruit. That's mm. not a knock. Because there's some people out there who like different stuff. Like, I've been on shows where they got this thing called, uh, you know, Rated R Night, where you just go in there and you're talking all about dicks and pussies mm-hmm. and all that type of shit. So it's crowds that can't, is not going to enjoy that. Right, right. But that's a crowd for somebody. So like I said, when it comes to comedy, I definitely feel like people, like to me, like I said, I think Richard Pryor is the height when it comes to like what you inspire to be just because of his rawness, his ability to be so truthful. Like I don't think I could ever go on stage and tell somebody I used to suck a dick. Like, yeah. like he literally I went accidentally on. fucked the training. You know? <laughs> like, like you, yeah. like that honesty. I shot is, up my car yeah. with my wife in it. I set myself on <laughs> fire, smoking crack. Like, like that, that's this. honesty for your ass, mm-hmm. and I don't think that too many people can be that. But when you coming down, you breaking down ability. Like if you just literally watch Dave Chappelle and how like 
He knows when to smoke like, a cigarette. Exactly. Like, it's just amazing to me to watch him perform and how he breaks down situations. And, like, you can't tell me his ability is not better than Richard Pryor. I'm going to say can't. for me, and I, I, it might sound a little bit cheesy, I kind of put, I already had Dave Chappelle as being there. Out of my favorites is Chris Rock, Patrice O'Neill, Paul Mooney, Dave Chappelle. Those are my favorites. I got you. But I, I, I was leaning towards, like, Dave's the GOAT. His Netflix run solidified it in such a manner. And that joke that he did when he did the punchline out the bowl. Oh, the yeah, and he brought it back. And it, where it's just like, that's another level. Facts. Because as a comedian, the punchline is the moment that you almost have to, like, hide. That's the smoking gun. And the fact that he For tells you. For me to tell you, you the punchline, then do this wild-ass story buildup. Hit you with the punchline and y'all fall the fuck out and just like that's why I get the big bucks, kids. Yeah. <laughs> I told but you that's 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 bringing back to what I was saying the craft of it, like right. But see, back then, who's to know? This basically it's called a callback mm-hmm. in comedy. It's called a callback. But then back then, how would you know that Richard probably even knew anything about a callback? Right, right, right. Exactly. So that's the what game I'm saying. Balls. Exactly. So it was like that's why you can't really rate it that way. Do I think Dave Chappelle's ability is better than Richard Pryor? Yes, I do. But it's like you set the bar here with Richard Pryor, and it's like okay, now everybody is beneath him. Is you going to be better than him? Yeah, but you still the bar is Richard Pryor. I think the I think the the thing is just being accepted in the argument. That's what makes it for me. You understand Facts. what I'm saying? Like I'm cool with that. Like I, I hate like when people be there's arguments about uh like I. I remember a while ago they had an argument, not an argument, but they had an argument about the top comedians in Philadelphia. And I made like honorable mention. This was like 10 years ago. And I saw everybody in there like mad, blah, blah, blah about their number. And I was like, I'm cool with just being in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm cool. Like, it's so many comedians Yo, that like, came and, out and of Philadelphia. Like, you, you get I'm people, cool with that. You get people that are like, perfect example. I had someone come up to me in the, watching the show. He's like, yeah, like, yo, you you really be going with this, like, Nas can fuck with Hove. Like, we're, we're, like where do this come? And it's just like, I said Nas. Not Sticky Fingers. <laughs> this makes sense. Like, it, you understand d- d- what I'm saying? D- just to be in that conversation you, just is, to be is a it. win in itself. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, I don't, I don't like to really argue when it comes, like, for me, when it comes to arguing with rappers, I look at it like this. You, you're going to always argue between Jay, Nas, Pac, Biggie, Blah, right. blah, blah. It makes and then, sense. And then after that, let's start a conversation. Right. Because you're never going to win with those four guys. Somebody's going to like Jay. Someone's going to like right. Pop. Someone's going to like Big. That's the four, and it ain't so, no exactly. right answer. But more so what I'm saying nothing. to like how you just was like, yeah, when you said LeBron better Drew, you because it makes sense to say Jordan or LeBron. Exactly. That's the argument. Now, I, if I have a clip with three million views where I'm explaining how Robert Parrish is better than Jordan, <laughs> I look nuts. <laughs> That's what I don't like. No, because when the that. Chiefs get them rebounds, like, <laughs> I look crazy. The Chiefs. You know, he, he be on that Chiefs. He smoked four blunts a game. All day. <laughs> so it just, it, it, yeah, if you in the conversation, you doing, you doing. Like I said, that, that goes back to ego, man. I think a lot it's of people e- yeah. can't just accept that. They got, like, I don't need to be, even back, like I told you about when I was working at the Laugh House, I don't need to be the main attraction. long as I'm consistently working, long as I'm consistently making money. Ringing the cash register. I am cool with that. Like, I'm not, and more people need to adapt 
that mentality because it's like, yo, you chasing to be number one all the time and you missing all these opportunities right here. Now, if you're going to be number one, you're going to get there at some point. Mm-hmm. You Somebody else is going to recognize your talent and they're going to pitch you in that spot. But you chasing that shit, you're just going to run yourself ragged doing that shit. That's a like, brilliant be, point. Just yeah, be sure. in the conversation. Just be. Just make sure you. Or just that. live in the moment. Yeah, like, make sure you just be that person. That's like when they say Philadelphia comedians, are they mentioning your name? Like I hate because yeah, they could have easily not mentioned. Exactly, you. they could have said pretty smiles over me. I right. would be like, man, get the fuck out of my face, man. Yeah. I'm not talking to you no more. Yeah. But no, like I'm in the conversation. People are in that. Like, yeah, let's put it to you like this: when people try to rank comedians in Philadelphia. The fact that people try to put themselves over Kev is ridiculous. Like, nobody... Yeah, the list starts with Kev, and <laughs> exactly. then let's talk it's, about it's the rest of you niggas. And then the rest of y'all go down. <laughs> Just not even the fact, because not even on being funny. Production. This dude Work got... Work ethic. Exactly. Like, he has, I think it's six or seven specials now. You know how hard it is to write a different oh, nigga. hour I, I, of I, material? Because you know I was actually doing the shit. And I remember Clint, shout out Clint. He, I tell all the time, when they brought me to the Laugh Factory in Chicago, Clint was like, yeah, you know, it's your first night. We're going to give you five minutes. I'm like, five minutes, nigga? Are you crazy? I nigga. do two-hour shows. Five yeah. minutes. And he was like, at four minutes, we're going to flash the light. I had ran through all my jokes, and I'm looking around like, I knew the light going. <laughs> <laughs> we was like two minutes and 40 seconds. Oh, I'm up here like, by myself, huh? Yo, <laughs> dog. It is not, that it's shit not is a hard, game, man. That it shit is, is not hard. A game. Shout out to Clint, too, man. Yeah, Clint super the, shout out to Clint, Clint man. is the reason um, why um, I put out my first comedy album. Clint Coley and... Uh, Ryan Davis. Those are the two. The reason was because they put out albums. Mm-hmm. Like I said in the beginning, for me, I have to see somebody that I know can do right. something. So when I saw them do it, I was like, well, it could be done. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It's not nothing that's not obtainable because I see those guys doing it. Clint put it out, and once he put it out, I was like, yeah, I know. I, and it wasn't on some cocky shit like I'm better than him. It was just I can relate to Clint. I know yeah. him. Yeah, he's your proof yeah. of concept yeah. in the genre to do something. And then yeah, Clint, Clint's a good dude. And we had a real, real good moment here on the show because we had a little falling out. And we, like, came to, like, you know, a full circle moment of, like, really addressing. You had a falling out? Because Clint, I had a falling out with Clint, too. I mean, it's Clint. <laughs> I don't know what he does. So this, the, um, <laughs> he can bring so this, it out of you. You know what I'm saying? Is, he falling out with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But the issue, I had a real, I wouldn't tell that story. I had a the, real. the issue was he wanted me to like really take stand-up comedy serious. Remember, mm-hmm. we was on the show, I was on the show with you, the John at the World Cafe Live and shit. And I I I didn't, I wasn't there mentally. I, I just you. wasn't there. Even though I had like moments and I did all right, you know what I'm saying, getting on stage. But we I just I knew I wasn't gonna be able to like dedicate. And I, I kind you. of really do respect the craft of it. Like I say it all the time, poetry and stand-up comedy, they are difficult because there ain't no music playing. There ain't no yeah. DJ back here. That's like, you got to get up there by you are yourself. Expo- you are exposed. And, and you can get exposed. And yeah, and I had, through the graces of God, I never got booed or no crazy-ass shit, but I just wasn't in a place to really take it serious and make it my life. And because Clint was He got t- mad at you for that? Because... You know, Clint kind of opened the door. Like, not trying to be funny. My first show, I did really well. And the, the DM was like, yo, we want you back. Like, I want to oh, see so you. Oh, so basically he's saying he got you on and then you didn't take it serious. And then right. he got mad at you. Right. And then Bill Bellamy yeah. was fucking with us. It was, it was a lot. And yeah, it, yeah, Clint emotional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Clint triggered. That's the kind of same thing that happened with me. Like, this nigga got us. You got to chill, bro. And, you know, we had, a like, a falling. But we came to an understanding of it. And, you know, I told him, like, I basically, I was on the tip. Like, I just respected it too much to get in and half-ass the shit. I get you. 
You know, yeah. and I just wasn't there at that at that moment in life. And Clint was like, you know, yeah, I'll never open another door for you. I'm like, no, I respect you. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that's, that's what's what's yeah, Clint gotta chill. Like, he, 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 get, he be getting too involved and too emotional. Our situation was a little different. I had went to LA and um I went to LA and I was filming a TV show at, mm-hmm. at the time called Damn, I forgot a TV show I did. Uh, Family time, family time. Twenty three Jump yeah. Street or something. Yeah, it came on Bounce TV. <laughs> <laughs> it came on Bounce TV. Did it air? Yeah, it's oh, on, that's, it's on, it's oh, on yeah. now. It's yeah, on, I was about to say, I've seen it. Yeah, it's called Family Time. So I'm filming the show. When I was in LA, naturally as a comedian, whenever you go to a different city, you wouldn't get on stage. Mm-hmm. So I hit Clint up and I was like, "Yo, Clint, man, I'm trying to come, you know, do your show, blah blah blah." You know, he's like, "All right, cool, man. I get you on, blah blah blah. I get you on, blah blah blah." I'm like, "All right, cool." So mind you, this is my first TV show I had taped at the time, so I didn't know how long you can be on set. So, basically, I guess his show was at 8 o'clock. I got on set probably early in the day, but I was there closer. Like, basically, it was running over. I wasn't mm-hmm. going to be able to make the show. So, usually, you know, when you produce, when you're promoting a show and the act is not there, they usually call you like, yo, where you at? Yeah. So, don't get me wrong. I am wrong because I never reached out to let him know I wasn't coming. But you was on set. I was on set. So, but then he never called me to say, like, yo, you on your way or nothing. So, don't get me wrong. That's Oh, so you did a no call, no show. Yeah, no call, no show. I ain't going to lie. I was wrong for that. Nigga, you fired. They call that an AWOL. I definitely definitely was wrong because I didn't call him. I didn't show up. I can admit to that. So, I didn't hear from him the whole day. I didn't hear from him. Literally, probably a month later, I get a call from Clint out the blue, like, yo, he was like, yo, yeah. I would appreciate that you did come to my show. You know how hard it is to get on shows and fit, you know, and shows in L.A. and I pitch you on. You just didn't show up. So mind you, like I said, it's a month later. Yeah. So I'm like, nigga, what the fuck is that? <laughs> it's a month later. You couldn't tell me this shit when I first happened. Yeah. He was like, I, I don't... It, it don't matter when I say I can pick when I feel like expressing how I feel. I'm like, all right, Clint, man, whatever. Then he was like, yeah, because if you wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for me, that's what pissed me off. So then I was like, you know what, Clint, I'm not going to argue with you on the phone. Click, hung the phone up. And my mission was to see Clint face to face and whoop his motherfucking ass. <laughs> will, you, will you tell me? Listen. When you tell me I'm the reason for your career, I said, I'm not going to argue with you. Click hung up the phone. At that moment, it was when I see Clint, I'm whooping his motherfucking ass. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you, I, got, I, got, I, I wish I can call her right now on air and let you know. Every time Clint was around, I was on my way to his show. One time he had a show in Philadelphia. I said, nigga, I'm meeting that nigga down at the spot. Mm-hmm. The show got canceled. Couldn't meet him. Second time... World Cafe Live was the show. I went in that room. I said, everybody get out. Everybody get out this bathroom. This was the show I was at? The show you, the one he did at World Cafe Live with, uh, with, uh, with the Reggie, with the dreads? With Reggie Conquest. Was Reggie on there? He did. No, it was me, you, him, the guy with the dreads, Ken Jones, well, no, and no, no, Scooter. No. I don't think it was that. No, what, I was about what, to say. Did I here? perform? Yeah. Oh, then it wasn't that. Because okay. I didn't perform. I, okay. Nigga, I came down there for that. I didn't come down there okay, for that. Okay, okay, okay. I came, came down there for a rumble. I came down there exactly for that. I with told the, that. With the Mike Healy gloves. <laughs> yeah. Healy gloves. I came down there for tips. that. I was like, nigga, I'm not playing. I told everybody to get out the motherfucking green room. Man, him got to have a conversation. And, you know, soon as I started, he was like, yo, I was going through something, man. You know, it was my feelings. Man, I don't give a fuck about all that, man. But Pull your shit up. Yeah, I was pissed off. But we had that. <laughs> We had that conversation. What's the blade? Because on my boot, it could not <laughs> it re-enter until it's blood. 
And then ever since then, everything been cool. But we, we was going to have that conversation. Because you was at Clint last show he just had. Yeah, so I mean, we've we been that's cool. That's how we all reconnected. Yeah, y'all was excellent at we that. We've been cool and shit, but like I said, it was a period of time where I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to say nothing. I, anything I had to say to you had to be face-to-face. And it was going, we had to, something was going to happen. Yeah, I think it's growing pains of just one, getting older, two, going through life and experiencing shit. And then, you know, being in this, like doing this where you're actually doing entertainment and media for like a living, you know, it can really have you to where you like burnt out, frustrated, Definitely. this, that, and the third. I, you I know, do. I totally understand it. And that was where I was just on the tip. Like my whole thing was Clint was a real friend. Like we were really cool. Like we were really all right. So I didn't want to leave that just like, Nah, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause it does. We was better than that. You know he's I mean? definitely a very emotional person. Cause me, I'd have been like, all right, nigga, whatever. <laughs> don't come back, come back, or whatever. I, I don't really care. Like, I'm not, I'm not as invested into certain things as certain people are. Like for me, I'm just gonna keep shit moving. So, mm-hmm. like, I can't see myself be like, if I give you the opportunity and you fuck it up, boom, like that's on you. Like even another example, just recently, I hired this dude as a videographer to do some work for me, whatever. And um, was he, Dan? No, I'm not gonna say. <laughs> say she already started like she did. I had this dude some work for me, and like, <laughs> you definitely can because he got he got fired. He definitely got fired. So he, I hired him to do the work, and he was like, "Yo, man, um, you know, before we even start shooting, he was like, "Yo, can you can, can we work out that payment?" And I'm like, "Dude, you ain't even do shit yet." He's like, "No, nah, man." Shit. I've been burnt a lot. I was like, you know what? All right, man, take your money. Boom, gave him the money. So then he does another job for me, and then he's once again with the, yo, can you pay me up front, blah, blah, blah. I said, dude, I'm going to send you a half. I'm not giving you all the money. Yeah. Like, that's how it works. Because you got my material yeah, now. Exactly. Like, you do half of the work, and you do it. But he just kept bugging me, kept bugging me. And for me, I could have got, like, snapped on him. I said, you know what, hun, take this money. And then after we finish, I said, yo, I'm never going to work with you again. So I could get mad and get, like, oh, dude, why you did that? For what? Just give him this little bit of money, got my stuff. I ain't got to never talk to him ever again. Now I can hire Dan. Over here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dan and, uh, and, and, and Al got a funny uh, history. Oh. <laughs> so. Because. <laughs> so, uh, back when I first started, uh, Dan. Uh, do they know Dan on here? Or they? Yeah, yeah, they know Dan. Okay, yeah, I got yeah. you. I got another Dan. So, Dan uh, knows my brother. My brother and uh, another guy named Rick. These, I would assume this is an older brother. Older brother, yeah. definitely older than me. And uh, these three guys, they was together. This is when they first started doing video stuff or whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. And this is when I first started comedy. So he used to do my flyers. And um, when I tell you every word on that flyer was misspelled. <laughs> or, or missing. <laughs> or missing. <laughs> I'm saying every, Chad is I a witness. I just see the flyer. It said, it, said the do- it said doors at eight. The at eight thirty, not the show. <laughs> it said live ta- tapping instead of taping. Yeah, I'm like, bro, like these. So it said such as it was one of the comedy clubs. It was like it was like their their frist live tapping. Yeah, it was yeah, like some booty tang shit. Frist live tapping. It was supposed to be first live taping. It said frist live tapping. I said, bro, like. This Who's was so, with you? Well, we got Usmoove Gilly on base. <laughs> so I'm so glad that he's a, he's like recording and not writing shit down. Yeah, that is fucking hilarious. All my my whole my whole flyer was bad. Yeah. 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 So, so Photoshop don't got spell check, nigga. That's, that is hilarious. Bad. So shouts out to Dad, man. I appreciate For his you. growth, man. Yeah. For his growth in his business has been dope. 
Yeah, but no, the, the Philly comedy scene, like going to that last show where y'all was at, I really enjoyed it. And it, it was dope seeing just the growth in y'all as comedians. Because I remember you years ago. I tell you this, I'm just like, yo, Lawrence, remember I was like, Lawrence is fucking this shit up. Like when the fuck did they be like, even Scooter, like his ability to control yeah. the crowd now, I'm just Definitely. like, damn, Scooter really got good. And then Clint, and I'm going to tell you what I like, he does like almost like the Paul Mooney shit where he's like stationary Facts. on the stool. And you know, I, like again, it goes back to what you like in comedy. Mm-hmm. So for me, if Paul Mooney's my favorite and he sits on a stool for gotcha. the whole jaw, the RNSJ is like, that shit is like watching <laughs> tennis. I'm like, yo, this thing is moving too much. So yeah, I love to see that, man. Like, uh, Scooter's another one. I, I I really enjoy watching comedians go from one point mm-hmm. to another point yeah. and just see them getting better, see them working on their craft. Because, I'm like I said, I'm not about the nonsense. I'm not about your story. Like, if you're going to get into the game, work at it and get better. That's all I want to see. And Scooter's one, Clinton's one. Like, I just love to see It's comics. funny because you, you said it earlier in this show. You was like, you learn the business before you learn how to be funny. Definitely. And that was one thing Clint said to me. Clint was like, you're naturally funny. And I had to learn how to be funny. True. So that was like kind of the frustration. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, I, I've been this person my whole life. But it's like I understand it now where it's like learning how to be funny. Definitely. And it's a on, lot of on your techniques. strong suits. Like look at Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart used that being little nigga shit to like the greatest a, a ability on the planet. I.T. Yeah. Like one, of, one of my biggest strengths is um, basically not being afraid to be on stage. Mm-hmm. That was one of my biggest things. I've never been afraid to be in front of people. I've always been pretty much cool in front of people, but it was actually finding the material and putting it together. So mm-hmm. I, 90% of comedy sometimes is confidence. When you get on stage, like it's people where they could be on stage talking and they're not funny, but you're engaged because mm-hmm. their confidence is like, yo, what is this dude saying? He's saying some deep shit. And you don't even realize that you're not laughing. So once you get part of that, it's like, boom, everything falls into you place. You should run for Congress. Exactly. Yeah, like, so yeah, for me, it was like, comedy career. I had to learn, not necessarily learn how to be funny. I had to learn how to structure a story mm-hmm. and pick and choose when to put the funny in and when not to. So for me, when I see people like Clint that's able to sit up there and engage with people and able to bring people into his life and able to bring people into his emotions, I think that's dope. Someone like Scooter who's able to go from talking about working at the airports and now talking about he has a child and going into that material, that that's dope. When I see people actually talking about things they got going on in life, that shit is dope to me because you're not just up there try, saying what you think the crowd thinks funny. Right. Like a lot of comedians, that's a problem that they have and I had a problem with that when I first started. I was doing what the crowd thought was funny. Like, I was acting like Kev when I was on stage. And I ain't even going to lie. Everybody knows they used to call me Little Kev. I was mimicking him and, and had his mannerisms and all that type of shit like that. It's because I didn't know my funny. I had to find my funny. So a lot of comedians, when they find that they're funny just being themselves, that's when shit starts to blow them. And Scooter's doing that. Clint's doing that. Uh, from Chanel, Renee, all these comics in Philadelphia. They act definitely finding their... They're stride and they're hitting it right now. And it's dope. No, that's real. What are the best and worst parts of being a comedian? Uh shit. The best part for me is is that 45 minutes that I'm on stage. Everything else is a nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> it is, man. I always tell promoters, man, you're not paying for me to perform. You're paying for my inconvenience. Cause I gotta get up, I gotta travel, I gotta have I gotta have three bags with me. Like it's the process of it is I love. Seeing a project go from here to here, uh, being able to venture off into different projects through comedy, yeah. which comedy has. I wanted to talk about some things that I got coming out, too. 
Uh, comedy a lot. Kev is a prime example for that. Being funny has taken him to different avenues. To be able to write books has been able to have liquor. To be able oh, to have Kev has a goddamn AP sneakers partnership. Like right? it's just so many different yeah. things that he's able. That all started with him being funny. Same thing about Tyler Perry. He always tell you work on one thing and be great at that, and then everything else will come. Yeah. So being being a great actor, working on that first movie, allowed him to get a studio in Atlanta, allowed him to uh, have all these different movies. But originally, it was one play that he wanted to get out. Boom. Get that out done first, and then everything else will fall into place. Yeah. And the same thing for me, like being funny for so long and being able to be business savvy has allowed me to venture off into different projects. Yeah. So allowed me to brand different things and have all these different things going on in my life. And all that came from just working on being funny, working on five minutes, then 15 minutes, then 20 minutes, then 25, 30, then having a full hour, just working on that. And then it gives you opportunities because people see, okay, he's working. He wants to do that. He said something on stage. You can brand that off into doing that. And you know, things work in that nature. So for me, it's always about the craft first and then build on that. And then you'll be straight. So, Because, like, for me, like I said, the things I wanted to get into how um, comedy has, like you said, turned me into, I don't, what's the word you use? Philanthropist. Philanthropist. That ain't, I don't, that's a big-ass word. But that's, I just like to help you my shit away. Yeah, I give shit away. Yeah. But uh, I started my, my nonprofit, Killer Goo Kicks. That all came from being funny and, you know, sneakers and shit like that. Like, Chad, you still, you still get a lot of kids? Yeah, yeah. So, we, you know who got me started? Leon. Yeah. Leon got me started. I saw Leon started. recently, man. Yeah, Leon, Leon, yeah. good dude, man. Real good dude. So, back in the day, we used to all work at Total Sports, all collecting sneaks and shit like that. And then, I never stopped. And I ain't got no kids. I ain't had no real big bills. My sneakers are my babies. <laughs> so, my sneaker <laughs> shit has been going crazy. So, 2018, I did a Facebook giveaway. Um, where I wanted to give away some sneakers. I got a sneaker room in my crib in Atlanta, and it was just, I, I didn't have enough space for all my sneakers or whatever. So I was like, let me just start giving some of these shits away. So I was giving away on Facebook, and um, I wanted to give it to people who needed them. But once I gave them away, I found out through Facebook that none of these motherfuckers needed them. Like, yeah. I was trying to give it to some some people in need, and I just found out motherfuckers was taking. Nigga some, wanted some free shit. Yeah, just taking some free shit. So then I turned. Yeah, I take them Air Force Twos. <laughs> Yo, you should see that. I Put never that forget. Weapons. Yo, take them. I never forget. I gave it to this lady. I'm not gonna say her name, but I gave it to this lady, and then like the week later, I saw her on Facebook like in the club with like bottles and shit like that. And I'm like, bitch, you did not need them. This is a failed mission. Failed mission. So through that, I started. Uh, my nonprofit, Killer Blue Kicks. And that's basically where I go to schools in different cities that I go to and I surprise kids with, with sneakers that get good grades. So I've been doing that since 2018. I gave away over 300 pairs of sneaks all out my pocket. No funding, nothing. I straight pay for this shit all out of my pocket. That's and dope, man. Yellow button that, man. That's yeah, yeah, real yeah, yeah. good shit. You, uh, you got any 15s? No, I, you know what's crazy? You know, I take some shit. Yeah, no, you, you, you got some weapons. <laughs> you know what's funny about it, though? So for the first year, I was just giving it away to anybody. And then I realized that, um, like, I was giving away more kids to high schoolers. So now when I reach out to the teachers, I'm like, hey, you know what? If, if they were under a seven, that's, that's, that'd, be, that'd be great. Because under a seven is kid sizes. Because well, I was spending all this money. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, you know, it's, it's cheaper. Yeah. Under a seven. So I was like, look, man, I would love to give it to the little ones if they if they're available, you know, because yeah. they sneakers is a lot more cheaper. But then after that, um, 
you know, it is what it is. But that program has been going on for a minute. So just recently this year, like for, um, I started, I, wrote, I did a coloring book. I want to talk about it right here. Bam. It's called uh, Kid Killer Brew and his Super Kicks. Uh, I did this to actually make, to raise money for the program, whatever. So it was just about, it's about me, pair of sneaks or whatever. And it, it releases on April 20th. Uh, I got a book signing on April 22nd. Uh, and it's pretty dope. I want y'all. I want y'all honest opinion too. I want y'all to look at it. I like people. Book, right? It's a coloring book. How are you going to be uh, releasing it? Just straight indie, or you going to do like sales yeah, channels doing, like Amazon and Etsy and all no, of that? No, I'm doing indie first because I got a little bit of following. Yeah, so yeah. That's what I'm gonna keep do all first. the margins. All that. All yeah, that yeah, to yeah. myself. So I'm gonna do an indie first. You look like the boy. Remember that chicken was dry, <laughs> real dry. <laughs> so I created that, and uh, it was just basically to help me raise money for the program. And it's pretty, it's a dope project. And just to see it go from, you know, from where I was at eight years ago, or not eight years ago, in 2018 to where it's at now. Yeah. Now we got, uh, you know, coloring books. We got all types of shit. Being able to reach all these schools. I just think it's real dope. It's a real passion project for me. Yeah. It's real dope for me. And so the look out for that. And the importance of, um, you know, of having good shoes and cool sneakers and stuff like that, like, for like American youth is severely like underplayed, like how important that is and how it adds to like, especially when you in like that middle school, high school coming Facts. to age time, like your confidence and how people Definitely. view you and all of that. Like that was the whole, that's kid, the whole kid base Killer of Brew it. Understands that the better his grades are, the more powers his kicks will give him. Exactly. Like that's, that's the why. whole, that was the whole base of the program. It was to actually get, excuse me, use sneakers as an avenue of confidence. I don't yeah. want to say it's as material. You know, I just want to say certain things. Everybody has that thing that gives them confidence. If it's a new haircut, getting your nails done, getting your hair done, a new shirt, whatever it is. For me, it was always sneakers. When I put on a new pair of sneakers, I felt more confident. So I wanted to do that because I know kids love sneaks, dunks, Jordans, all that type of stuff. So for me, it was like giving people uh, or giving what them opportunity. What grade is supposed to be intended for? It's for younger kids. I was about to say, because like the, the crossword puzzle, all the words are just... Exactly. Yeah, it's like, exactly. Cover it off. <laughs> <laughs> I knocked this out too <laughs> Is this live? No, no, no. Oh. Yeah, we pre-recorded. Pre oh, because right. Clint just texted me. I was like... Oh. <laughs> yeah, nigga! <laughs> Clint, Clint, yeah! Clint texted me and said, say less. I'm like, oh, is this live? <laughs> Clint about to... This nigga watch <laughs> He about to attack me or something right now? <laughs> Yeah, I know where you at, nigga. I recorded there. Guess what? I'm pulling up now, nigga. <laughs> I thought this was live. I'm like, okay, Clint. That's funny as shit. That's stupid. That's man. decent though. Killer Brew Kicks Coloring Book. That's fly. I'll fuck April, it, April 20th. April 20th. Uh, yeah, April 22nd. Where's the uh this book signing gonna I be? I got at? you. So basically, every well, I started it last year. I do a uh, a Lawrence Killer Brew birthday weekend. Uh, basically, I got the idea from Charlie Mack. To be honest with you, I've always wanted to be a part of Charlie Mack's weekend. But never was. So mm -hmm. I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do my own. So last year was the first year I started it. It's called the Lawrence Killable Birthday Weekend. Over a span of three days, I have three different events that I throw. Last year, I did um, cupcakes, candles, and wine because uh, I have a candle line. And then I did the celebrity basketball game, and then I had the comedy show. This year, it's the book signing. It's at Boys Latin Middle School okay. um, right in West Philly. And I turned it into a community day. So not only will we be celebrating with the book, also anybody comes in, it's free food, bouncy house, DJ, games, all that. So when you come, you know, get a book, you can enjoy, you know, the time at the school, whatever like that. We got a bouncy house in the back. We got a, like, bunch of, a, a basketball court in the back. So basically if you come down, you just enjoy yourself for a day or whatever. That's and cool. then uh, it's the comedy show on the 25th. 
a Helium Comedy Club. So Are you doing the celebrity game? Yeah, the celebrity, I'm sorry, the celebrity game is at the Phil House on the 23rd. So Saturday and Sunday is the two events. The book signing is on Saturday, the 22nd at Boys Latin Middle School. The 23rd is the celebrity basketball game. It's right over there on the Phil House. Okay. Phil, y'all, you, you play? You wanna play? Can we come? Yeah, you want to play? I'll get out there. I'll chuck <laughs> up a couple. You know what I'm saying? Y'all definitely I need a free I got you. I yeah. got you. I got you. All so, right. like I said, the celebrity games at the Phil House, all this is just to raise money for the program to, you know, just to, to put more money because I can't afford it no more. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I can't. I ain't going to lie to you because what right, I was I'll doing was. I'll definitely come out there, you know, get my knee brace. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no, we got I'll it. Because every, every city that I go to, I go to a school. So, basically, if I just did three cities, I went to three different schools while I was there. Okay. That's three pairs of sneaks. This shit is getting expensive. So, like I said, I'm just trying to find ways to raise money. So, every dollar that you spend, it goes directly to the program. So, Saturday and Sunday. Sunday is the celebrity game. And then Tuesday is the show at Helium. The reason I did it on Tuesday, because I used to have Tickle Me Tuesday back at the Laugh House. So, I always Bringing it back. Always do my uh, birthday is it, show. Is it just going to be you or are you going to have like a bunch no, of people? No, it's, it's kind of okay. something like what Clint did. Okay, okay, okay. But bigger people. You know okay. I, mean? I know more people than Clint. So. <laughs> I know more, know more famous comedians. No, that's fine. I, like I fuck with that. Yeah, I pull up to the helium joint for sure in the game. I, I definitely, definitely. want to say I like shit like that, man. It's always decent. Chad, you don't play ball, do you? No, I'm terrible. I'll coach. <laughs> I'm also terrible, but I'm getting out. I, you know what I'm I, I, I no, used to I play back in the day. Man, last year I had a lot of people come out. Last year I had, what, Flip. I had some people from the show Power. Some yeah, I seen it last year. Oh, you um, did? Uh, I was about to say Flip De Niro. Flip Murray. Flip Murray. Um... Uh, who else was out there? Uh, God damn it. I remember. Fat, what's it? Funny Boy Quill. Quill yeah, you Funny had a. Uh, uh, do it uh, look like I give a fuck was out yeah, there. Right? G yeah, G Funny yeah, was out yeah. there. Uh, who else I had out there? I had some football players from the Saints and from the Eagles. Uh, and I had a lot of local ball players and stuff like that. It was pretty dope. Yeah, it looked decent. Yeah, I'll definitely pull up. Looking forward to it. Yeah, that's cool. Make sure y'all check out the coloring book too, man. April 20th release. You can pre-order it right now at comedyhustle.com. Matter of fact, all the information is on comedyhustle.com. That's my uh my brand right there. Y'all can check it out. Oh, I also bring y'all gifts too. Oh yeah, the grease. Oh, I got you. It's not grease. The grease. <laughs> it's not. Uh, I'm I started going away for you to make mention the I grease. I got it. I started a well, not started. I started a candle line two years ago. It's been very successful. Okay. It's called Comedy Hustle Candles. Uh, also, all the information is on my website, comedyhustle.com. I have five different scents right now, and these are two I brought down for y'all. Y'all can put them somewhere. Okay. Let me know what y'all think about them. They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take this home. Take it 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 home. Take on time about that. So, yeah, that's the, this thing. It's the Lawrence Killer Brew birthday weekend, April 22nd through the 25th. All the information is on comedyhustle.com. Check it out if you want to pre-order a coloring book. Trust me, it's a very quality coloring book. Uh, you can get that at comedyhustle.com as well. All the information is there, man. Philadelphia, please come on short support your boy during that weekend. Definitely. Real shit. Definitely. Let's um, get how can I get tickets? Uh, everything on there, on the website. Oh, and it's not there. even expensive. You can get the whole weekend for under $40. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I try to make it. I try to make it feasible for people yeah. out there because the book sign is actually free. The show is in that too for the forty. All that's in oh, there. Man. All that's in there. If I wasn't getting in for free, I would. I would. Yeah, I would have taxed these. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we would have. If I was your agent, I'd have taxed it. I think the show is twenty dollars. <laughs> the basketball game is uh, ten. And if you buy, oh yeah, you got to pre-order a coloring book, and the coloring book is fifteen. If you pre-order a coloring book, the event is free. It's okay. not like you got to pay to get in, yeah, but you yeah. just got to purchase a coloring book or already have purchased one, and you get in for free. 
Yeah, I, I, ain't no way. I'd have hit the. That's a buck fifty worth of shit, easy. <laughs> and every event, if I was your agent, I'd be calling you on the big phone. <laughs> <laughs> big ass nigga. And you every every care. event, forty dollars. It has free food, man. I don't want to charge nobody for no food. So you come down there. We got snacks. We got hot dogs. We got burgers. We got all that type of shit. All That's that shit up, is free. Man, this is actually it decent, is. man. It's dope, man. Like I said, I got the idea from Charlie Mack. Every, everything, to be honest with you, everything that I've done. It's like I said, it comes from somebody else. Me seeing something and like, all right, yeah. I want to do that. So I remember one of the that was one of the dopest weekends I've ever seen in my life. Charlie Mack Celebrity Weekend and shit. And I was like, man, I never played in this game. Like, man, fuck it, I threw my own game. So I did, and that's basically why I did it. And it's pretty dope. I'm looking forward to it too. Yeah, nice to see you didn't take the uh, the the uh, tradition of niggas having weekends and charging through the roof. So oh no. <laughs> I want people to come out, yeah, man. I know okay. shit is hard out here, man. I want people. I, Zoom me, weekend was three thousand dollars. That shit was real. Jesus, because yeah. I'd rather. To me, it's it's not always about the money. I mean, I want people to have a good time. Like I'm gonna make my money regardless. Like I said, I, I I work outside of this, so for me, it was more so like seeing people come out and enjoy themselves and have a good time. To be yeah, honest with you. Couple more questions, and we're gonna do some rapid fire before Let's we get go. out of here. Uh, what's your best memory from the Laugh House? Shit, uh, Miss Mona. Miss Mona. Is, Clap uh, that up, Miss Mona, man. Miss Mona is, uh, shit. Man, got emotional, but as soon as you said it, um, if y'all don't know, Miss Mona was the, the manager at the Laugh House. I actually mm-hmm. got a tattoo, her initial tattooed oh, on my arm, uh, right there. If I don't know if y'all can see it. Not the whole thing, it's the it's initials. Cool yeah, it is. Okay. It's actually, uh, my mom, uh, my grandmom, and Miss Mona. Okay. These are, they both are the most important women in my life. So, um, yeah, she was the one who gave me that business mind. Like, she should sit down and talk to me. She's like, yeah, you're not like these other dudes. You're not worried about, you know, certain things. And she put that in my mind of how to be a professional comedian from day one. She was like, I see a lot of cats come through. They're just worried about girls. They're worried about this and they worry about that. But you always come down with some business type shit. So her putting that in my mind has carried me this far. So I, without her... You know, I don't think the Laugh House would have been. And you see what happened after she passed away. The shit went down in smoke. Yeah. I mean, quick. so for me, quick. Yeah. So for me, she was the heart and soul of that place. Always will be. Without her, there is no Laugh House. Laugh House was a good-ass time. Great used place. used to have a lot of, like, little Great jewels, place. Man. And it still hurts me to this day how they fucked that up, man. Yeah. How they fucked it. Like, <laughs> they, they literally fucked that place up. And that was a great, it was in a great location. Yeah. It was a great Venue and it was like to fuck that up. The only urban club in Philadelphia and to fuck it up. So for me, that was probably my greatest memory of the whole club. Yeah, definitely. Shit. Did you ever come in contact with Patrice O'Neill? Yeah, I did. Patrice, he was a uh, only. Oh, it was twice. He did a show in Philadelphia, and I went to that show, and I was going to book him to do Tickle Me Tuesday one time because he came down there with Will Vince. He's okay. like, yo, I like this, man. It's dope. Now, I mean, was in the talks about getting him to come down, but it never, like, panned out with his yeah. schedule and shit. But never really, like, on some one-on-one type shit. Like, when I was in the green room, he was in there. I was talking to him, blah, blah, blah. That's when I knew that night is when I knew Kev was special because they did a show. Keith Robinson was douching the show. And when I tell you Keith Robinson, not Keith Robinson, Patrice O'Neill went up on that stage, and he did something I've never seen done before. He got two standing ovations in the middle of his set. Like, one in the middle, and then when he finished it, he got another one. I've never seen that done. And then Kev went up there and still held his own. And that's when I knew Kev was special from doing that. But outside of that, I've never really, like, talked to him or, like, yeah. you know, had, like, a, a conversation like that. 
Yeah, Patrice O'Neal was he was nuts. Like crazy. Was, he was he was insanely good. That's another guy where that where ability comes into like Richard Pryor is the goat, but you cannot tell me that his like his ability is not. On you that remember level. the show The Green Room? Yeah, I remember. You that. watched that episode with Roseanne and them, and I mean I'm not Roseanne, uh, Bob Saget Facts. and Patrice. You watched that and you realized like yo, his off the cuff ability is to amazing. not just be funny, but like leave you stuck. And the timing he kept fucking them up on the stage. The timing he has is amazing to able to yeah. know when to say it, when to allow the crowd to talk or to laugh, and then hit him again. It's just it's really dope. Yeah, Patrice O'Neill was, was was crazy good. All right, we're going to get into rapid fire, then we're going to wrap this thing up. Let's okay. go. Let's uh, get it. Rapid fire, I'm going to throw some, it's a comedy edition. I'm going to throw some names at you. I'm going to throw some historical comedy events, things like that. Let's tell us the first thing that comes to your mind. If you Are feel like you want to expound, yeah, we can go back okay, and forth. Cool. If you, you feel like you want to expound on it, feel free to expound. Or if you got a story that relates to somebody that we throw out there, you can do that too. Let's go. Dick Gregory. Amazing. Never seen him perform, but he's amazing. I've never seen Dick Gregory perform a day in my life. Really? Never. Wow. Never. But it's just from how I've only seen clips of him talking. Yeah. And just that alone can tell me that he's an amazing. Person. I actually saw him perform. It was kind I've of never seen that. First District Plaza, he was with Paul Mooney and shit. Yeah. Red Fox. The my favorite comedian. One of my favorite comedians. Richard Pryor. The GOAT. George Carlin. Not a big fan, but he's definitely amazing on stage. He's one of those, his honesty is, is impeccable. Uh, doesn't make me laugh as much as others might, but I, I respect his, his talent. Eddie Murphy. The GOAT Part 2. Christopher Rock. Uh, one of the greatest non- Naturally, non-funny comedians you ever meet in your life. I think his ability to... He's learned how to be funnier than anybody that's doing comedy ever. I can respect that. The kings of comedy. <clears throat> the greatest tour ever. I think that was a, a moment. I still remember when I went down to Delaware Avenue and with my man Sherrod and we watched that movie... And you know what's funny when you come out and you doing their jokes and shit. I think that that tour was the greatest comedy tour ever. I don't think it could be duplicated. I don't think it could ever be four comedians on the same stage with that much impact ever. I think it's the greatest tour, period. It is nuts to think that it was really like a successful comedy tour in real life, like arenas. And then it became a successful movie. Like, that's ridiculous. That don't me. make no fucking sense. <laughs> that's Definitely. nuts when you really think about it. God damn. My man, Damon Wayans. Underappreciated. I think Damon Wayans is definitely one of the, the funniest dudes ever. I think one of the specials from back in the day were amazing. I definitely don't think he gets the respect that he deserves. Definitely underappreciated. Kevin Hart. Uh, a, a rock star. He's definitely the uh, definition of someone who is a true superstar. From being likable to being uh, talented to killing interviews, to killing movies. He's definitely a total package. I don't think he's the funniest comedian out there, but he has the total package. Dave Chappelle. The GOAT Part 3. <laughs> Carlos Miller. Carlos is 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 super dope, man. I, um, what's the best word I can use for Carlos? Unapologetic. I, I love that Carlos did 
what he's doing and more the way he wanted to do it. Uh, he is the epitome of somebody who said, I'm going to find my audience and I'm going to cater to my audience. I'm going to be, I'm going to stick to that. So, yeah, I would say that about Carlos. Country Wayne. Uh, opportunist. He took, you know, he took the internet by storm and he took something. He took uh, lemons and made lemonade out that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's killing it, making buku money and he saw what was what his lane was and he rolled that motherfucker. Don't care about nobody, what nobody got to think about it either. Lou Young. I don't know who that, that is. He does the skits on Instagram. He does all of the uh like the culturally relevant skits. Like he just did the uh the power he did the Deion Sanders skits and then he just did Oh, is that the dude he got a lot of tattoos on him? He got some tattoos. No, is he black or what? He black. Right. Like light skinned black guy, lower yeah, hair. Yeah, kind of yeah. look like you a little bit. He do the hold on, he do the shit with like he reenact. He reenact shit. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He did the one joint that blew up was when he did the, the dinner from Why Did I Get Married? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he do the joint, he just did the joints from uh BMF, BMF right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, that girl, she was like, Charles. <laughs> yeah, Charles. Yeah, he do, I didn't know he was a comedian, What'd man. You say? I got the chain and I'm covered in blood. <laughs> Put two, two and two, two together, together, bitch. <laughs> Yo. Yeah, dude, funny as <laughs> shit, man. I didn't know he was a comic, you know, but I definitely respect his craft of, of creating these uh, um, these skits and making them as funny I, I, as he does. Listen, do. I'm going to tell you, well, he got one joke where it's not even him talking, and it's just so funny. It's him basically playing on, like, when niggas get dressed up Oh. And they be too cool. Oh, yeah. And he yeah, get out yeah, the truck yeah. and the music play, and he don't know which way to walk. Yeah. So he got to keep turning. <laughs> you know the words I love? I definitely love what he doing when he the basketball ref. Yeah. <laughs> he got the whistle. He be like, yeah, you know, yeah, I used to do that back in the day, baby. You know what I mean? Yo, I do. I he, fuck with To dude. me, he's one of the funniest Instagram. I don't, li- I don't laugh at a lot of Instagram shit. Gotcha. He finds the funny he, in he, every that situation. That nigga is funny yeah, he, he definitely is dude. I didn't know he was a comic, though, but I definitely enjoy watching his... Uh, his remakes of different scenes and shit like that. So yeah, I think he is dope. I yeah. never knew his name, but yeah. that's dope. Drewski. Uh, I think another opportunist. I think uh, he took advantage of the fact that uh, people find him entertaining. Mm-hmm. He took advantage of the fact that people find his commentary entertaining. So he ran with it. You know, I love somebody who can own in on what it is that they do well and then make money off of it and make a career out of it. The, the, it's that. funny just the fact that you put them two next to each other on the list. The thing with Lou Young, I laugh at everything he does. Drewski, for me, is like, if I if if I either don't laugh or I'm laughing hysterically. Right. So there's like no middle ground. You like, know? I laugh more at the shit he's, like, the shit he do with the laughs. The, exactly. Like, I laugh at the shit he say to people. Right. Like more so right. not the shit that he does. Like, the skits sometimes, they, they like, it miss a little bit. But when it hit, it like super hit. Like, he got ones, I saw him doing like a car, car salesman or some shit. Like, I yeah. didn't really find that. that I, 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 that, but then but, he got the joint where like, his chick, her her ex nigga buy her a bust down Cuban for her birthday, and he outside the party smoking a cigarette. <laughs> like no, go enjoy yourself. Yeah. That nigga, yeah, he got see. shit to make you laugh. But I, 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 I am a little jealous though. He got a lot of shit I want, man. He got a, a like a lot of sneaker deals. And shit. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, a little yeah. jealous of that. But it is that visibility, man. So y'all definitely think it's another person yeah. who took an op- opportunity and ran with that shit. Uh, last one, Ha Ha Davis. <sighs> uh. I think he missed missed the ball. I would say that. I think he had a 
he's he had an opportunity to go further with it. I don't really know what he's doing, but I just don't yeah. really see him as much. But I think he had an opportunity to take something he didn't take it. Like mm-hmm. I feel like those voiceovers, he could have took all him talking about them things. He could took that somewhere else. Uh, I haven't really seen him as much as I used to. You know what I mean, so I, I don't really know. <laughs> bringing the show full circle, I guess. Like you talked about learning the business mm-hmm. before learning the comedy. There are a lot of situations where you see a lot of these things like blow up, but then it, you don't really see anything. But- like I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't. He and not necessarily him. I'm just more so in the grand scheme. Like there are a lot of internet and uh, skit comedians that came along that I thought were hilarious, and you would be like, damn, he would be funny on a sitcom, or he would be funny exactly. in like situational spots yeah. of movies, yeah. and it just doesn't. You don't see. So that's that. what I mean. It's like I think he has something with that character, with that voice, and I don't see it no more. I just see it like that, and I just feel like, like in the right position, he ends up in like. I don't know, uh, Tyler Perry, Medea goes to exactly. jail. Guard doing exactly. that. Like, yeah, like just, the girl, she took that. Um, what's the, I forgot the lady, this is a young comedian. She acts like an old lady. I forgot her name. Oh, oh, the the, the Mabel. Mabel, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. She's, she's doing actual shit. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, absolutely right, right. Tyler Perry movies and exactly. doing stuff like that. So I'm saying it's like, I, when I say Mr. Ball, I feel like he missed an opportunity to take that character and put it in a bigger light than just on Instagram. Yeah, and I just think in general in life, you see people in all uh, different disciplines, different uh, business models or whatever, and they be like, oh, I, I just hope that's, like, say if a girl is selling uh, hair products or skin oil or whatever, I just hope somebody, you know, somebody big pick up my product, da 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 and then Rihanna reposts your shit, and then you get 40,000 orders, and you're not prepared to fill At the all. orders. You know what I'm saying? Like you're you don't you're not you're yeah. not constantly like immersed in what you're doing to the point where you're preparing for this big breakthrough moment it, it, that you you've been asking so for. So you know I watched that Foods that Built America shit. Yeah. So it was I was watching one other day on Kellogg's and Post. And Post actually created what the Pop Tart was first. They called it Country Squares. Mm-hmm. They actually said we dropping that and Kellogg and then was like, oh, we need to come up with that ourselves. Yeah. They basically created theirs and they was like, all right, what are we going to call it? You know, you put it in a toaster that pops, pops up. up. So at the time, you know, Andy Warhol with pop art was like the most dominant shit in pop mm-hmm. culture. And they was like, yo, pop tarts. It makes sense. They dropped it. So they got to market before post. The shit was an instant hit off the shelves, but they couldn't handle the demand. And literally, they were sold out everywhere to the point where they had to do a campaign apologizing for running out. Yeah. This shit is crazy as fuck. But it's just like, yeah, you can really have some shit blow tomorrow and you not ready for it. Definitely. Like, you just not there. I've seen it a million different times. Like, you know, like you have, you know, college basketball players or whatever. People that have been preparing for a big moment their whole life. And then, you know, they they combine not right or they do some bullshit and then, you know, fuck up their chance to get drafted or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And they not able to overcome that shit. You know what's crazy? He was talking about being prepared. Uh, Even when it comes down to business, like you said, people don't be having the inventory for shit like that. When I started my candle line, um, the person who was was helping me with it, she always used to wonder, like, why do you make so many candles you're not selling any of them? I'll never forget this shit. It was, uh, I was, I made, I always got like a big stock just in case somebody wants some. And uh, I did a show in Atlanta. I did a show in Atlanta and I was selling my candles after the show. And it was a, a distributor that was like, yo, I want to, and I like your candles, man. You yeah. know, blah, 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 blah. They're really nice. I want to put some in my, in my store. I'm like, all right, cool. How many you need? He's like, I need 600. I was like, oh, 
But luckily, I'm not you saying you twenty dollars a piece. Yeah, <laughs> I got that. But luckily, you know, luckily I didn't have six hundred. But I've always kept a big stock, so yeah. I had about like four hundred on hand. And I was like, hey, I can get you another two hundred another two days. It's like cool. But if I would have been taking that mentality, oh, I'm not gonna make none until somebody buy it. Right. I'd have been stuck. And that's, that's what good. a lot of like entrepreneurs do. Like they don't have a. Inventory, they just make on demand. Yeah, everything is just in time. It's like, okay, yeah. or right, you need it, or I'll make it now. No, they have it. Shit. Yeah, yeah, have that shit ready for motherfuckers when they order that shit. Like, have it so that being prepared and being have your inventory is definitely a good thing. Can I like add that. one more name to the rapid fire? Of course, you can. Lawrence Killebrew. I'm that nigga. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm that nigga. You know what I mean? Yeah. I definitely will. Like, for me, like I said, I'm not a big ego guy. Uh, I'm not. Uh, a big, you know, I got to be the main guy. Like, for me, to be honest with people, as long as I'm working, and I think that's what's helped me to have longevity in this comedy game, to be able to be successful on my level for so long, is that I don't care about being the main guy. All I want to do is work consistently and be able to pay my bills, and I'm cool with that. Whatever happens after that or whatever happens, you know, from that, I'm yeah. cool with. But the, the, the fact that I'm making money, and I'm working consistently every weekend, I'm perfectly fine with that. Anything else to that is a blessing. That's real. I respect that. Appreciate I got one more question. If you okay with that? Let's go. All right. So with cancel culture being as ridiculous as it can be at times, we saw the reaction to Dave Chappelle's closer. We saw the reaction to Chris Rock's um, selective outrage. We see a lot of things that go on now just in the world of comedy. Do you think it can, like, survive? When you got people like Damon Wayans that are just like, I'm not doing this shit no more. When you got like people that are like, you know, stepping away from it and just like, I'd rather pursue other shit. Do you think stand-up comedians are going to still have that First Amendment freedom of speech? I get up here and can do what the fuck need be done. Or do you think they're just going to get to a point of like, okay, every time somebody drop, it's a problem. Well, it's always going to be a problem with something, but my thing, what I tell, what I think comedians should do is build an audience. Build an audience that supports you, then you can't be canceled. Dave Chappelle has built an audience who support him. So no matter what he say, oh, that's real. he's literally going to be able to still go somewhere and sell out a show. So once you find a core audience that fuck, that rocks with you, fuck cancel culture. Like, I, I've literally, this is, this is, I've never seen some shit like this done before. I've literally, uh, Dave Chappelle was in D.C., we was doing a show. He had stopped in the D.C. Improv. We was in the back just talking, blah, blah, blah. Dave Chappelle said, yo, I'm about to go on the road real quick. I need some money. Called his agent up and said, yo, book some shows, blah, 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 blah. And then put them on sale, and they sold out. That's what you have a core audience where you can just put a show up and people will come out. Now, don't get me wrong. Is every comedian going to be able to have that? No. But if you work on audiences and having that you'll be a successful yeah. prime example like i said i'm back to a numbers guy i want to be able to work in every single city so for me if i get a core group of 200 to 250 people in about 20 to 30 different cities i can work for the rest of my life because all i got to do is get that core people to come see me at some place in that city that and I'm going to always work. That's kind of where we were when it comes to, like, our live shows. Patreon. Exactly. Like, you don't, I don't need the whole Philly. Yeah, I don't need with. everybody. I yeah. don't need the whole city. I just need a group of people that fuck with what I got going on is going to come support me. So, for me, when I go to a different city, like I said, I do my math. I get my emails. So, I make sure that whenever I go to that city, that people come. So, if it's 15 people one day, boom. 
Let me get all them emails. So when I come back, them 15 people are going to come with somebody else. So now that's 30. Come back, now that's 60. You know what I'm saying? And just keep building the audience, and you'll always work. And stop worrying about, oh, I need the whole city to support me to come out. No, you don't. Yeah. The, vent, the whole city can't come into this venue. Yeah. The whole city can't go on the punchline. Yeah. Punchline, 300 seats. That's it. Mm. And really, to be honest with you, if it's 200, it's still look for. Right. You, can't even, you, can't, <laughs> you can't even tell that it's not booked. You know what I'm saying? That it's not full. So stop worrying about, like, the mass and just worry about the, your course. So for cancel culture, if you find your audience... They can't cancel because your audience is not going to cancel you. Your audience understands you, mm-hmm. understand what you got going on. Yeah, dice clay. So they get it. Garden. Exactly. You know so yeah, c- c- cancel culture is always going to be here. But as the person getting canceled, if you have your own audience, you can't be canceled. And the thing is, the cancellation always comes from people that are outside your audience. Mm-hmm. It's never somebody that's like a super fan that's immersed in what you're doing. That's like, yeah, cancel this nigga yeah. that I went to his last 30 bullshit. shows. Yeah. It's some bullshit that he did. It's, it's never that. It's always people that aren't even a part of your ecosystem or your economy that's like, I didn't like that. What did Facts. you mean by that? Facts. Cancel yeah. this nigga. So what's next for you? Uh, Like I said, I've been on tour. Uh, Me and a guy named Shula King. Uh, good times tour. That's what it is. We uh we traveling all the way up until shit January next year. Oh damn! So yeah, we've been um we've been rocking and rolling. This dude is uh he did you got money drop. Yeah, he <laughs> is. He's an amazing. People don't know y'all know Shula King. Me and him. Mm-hmm. It's a two man show that we do. It's fucking amazing. He's dope as shit. So as I said, I'm blessed to be able to work and consistent. Not yeah. Not to be worried about what I got going on because I think that's one of the the worst things I fear is that is to not know. Like that was what it was like crazy for me during the pandemic because it was like when am I ever going to get back right. when am I ever going to be able to get back on stage the not knowing is what fucked me up so me being able to have that security and knowing that I'm going to be working for this amount of time whatever gives me room to create other avenues of money and streams and stuff like that because I know end of the day I'm still going to be working right. so besides that tour that's the only thing my second my third album Comedy Hustle Live um, I'm about to record that and that's going to drop at the top of next year it's a I want to do the whole Jay-Z thing like the, the three volumes I got volume yeah. one volume two and volume three and then I'm going to do something different for the second one like that uh, my coloring book uh, Kid Killer Brew for my non-profit Killer Brew Kicks uh, my candles comedy Grease. Got the grease got right the there. Uh, the Comedy Hustle Candles. Uh, you can check that line of fragrances out. And then it's my birthday weekend, man. Uh, April 22nd through the 25th. You should create a candle called that grease. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? When I I did another podcast, and he was like, yo, is that Mary's Mary's grease you got right there? And I didn't realize that the can look exactly like that shit, though. But but they real good candles, man. So over that, it's just torn the book. uh my next album and my candles, and that's really it, man. I was more so saying it because you know that's what the young people call good sex now. That grease. Oh, they got do. That grease. Yeah, yeah. Got that grease. You got that grease. Yeah. I thought it was yams. What happened to yams? That's the eighties. Goddamn. Yams was eighties. shit moved fast. Yeah. I'm still stuck on yams and shit. <laughs> yams was like a year removed from like snappy naffy. Like, <laughs> no, they call that hey, yams shit. is our age, yeah, niggas. Our, Forty yeah, plus, yeah, niggas. Yeah. You, Charlie Wilson got a song called Can I Get the Yams? Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, I, I, I thought know. it was fake. I did, yo. <laughs> yo that's crazy. I thought yo, it was fake. I heard it like I heard it like in the club or some shit. I was like, that's a real song? No. And then I went and looked it up on YouTube. It's Charlie Wilson, and Charlie Fetty Wap, yeah, and Fetty Ron Isley. I thought that there what? was a... You ain't yeah. know this? I heard... I knew Charlie Wilson. I didn't know Fetty Wap was Can on. I get I the on yams? <laughs> I thought Fetty Wap wiggled his way in Yo, I really thought that shit was a joke. Ron Isley's like, can I get those yams? That mac and cheese. 
<laughs> that shit is real. Dope. That's a real live record, dog. It's on my uh, playlist for the dinner, but that's a whole nother story. But like, yeah, nah, that's that's real shit, man. All right, one last question before we get out of one Let's last. Go, you said one last question three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's cool. I fuck you, with you, 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 a comedian. You've been in it. You've been around it. You know it. You well respected in it. You got one comedy special. You got to take. What is it? What do you mean? Like one comedy special that's better than everything. Oh, that's a good. Like Lawrence Killaboo's favorite comedy special. If I had is if I had one comedy special to, to watch, ah. It's two, really. It's two. Uh, but you know what? I, I can go with one. Cat Williams' uh, Pimp Chronicles. Mm. I think, I think by, by uh, To far, me, that's one of the most underrated yo, jokes ever. Yo, when I tell you, funny, like, from start to finish. Yeah, like, no I'm dry not spots. Saying, I'm not saying that it's the most thought-provoking material mm. and all that, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about funny from start to finish. I don't know too many. And, and, and how hard the jokes hit. Like those jokes hit. Pimp Chronicles, Cat, Cat Williams is definitely a special that I can watch. It is, that hit hard. It's funny that you say that because just going off of some of the answers you gave, especially when we did the Rabbit Fire, where you talked about people capitalizing on mm-hmm. certain characters. He really capitalized Facts. on a character from a Friday movie Dude. better than I think any. Anybody. I don't think we've ever seen character capitalization. There's only in two that people. Manner. Other person is Michael Blackson. Michael Blackson took. Both Friday characters. Both yeah. characters. <laughs> it turned the whole career into it. Shit, so, you want to be factual? Damon. Terry Crews. Oh, yeah. From Friday, yeah. too. Like, Definitely. that's kind of nuts when because he became Definitely. that overly strong, greasy nigga in everything for that little run. So, yeah, thanks. thanks. Yeah, Cat Williams really ran so, the So, yeah, fuck if up I had one shit. special to watch, it would definitely be Cat. And then the second one would be Robin Williams' Baby Kids. Mm. I think those two right there are my yeah. two favorite Somebody ones. Somebody the really other watch. day actually uh, hit me and was like, um, do you think if Robin Williams died that Bernie Mac would have became Bernie Mac? And I'm like, it is an interesting thing. Robin to, Harris. Robin, Robin Harris. Harris. Robin Harris. You said Robin Williams. I did. I did say that. But you talking about baby remember. kids. Oh, yeah. Robin, Robin, Robin Harris. Harris. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Robin Harris. But he, she was asking me, do I think if Robin Harris passed away that Bernie Mac would have still? And I'm like, yo, it is wild when you really, really do like... Think about it. Yeah. Robin Harris and Bernie Mac low-key was like the same person. They're similar Think the about same this. Person. Robin Harris is kid's dad in House Party. He dies. Bernie Mac is kid's uncle mm-hmm. and becomes the same person. I never even realized When you that. think about Bernie Mac's show, the Bernie Mac show, it's really a live-action Bebe's kid. Yeah. True. It's crazy <laughs> as shit when you really there. I'm just like, that man. Point. Those two right there. It's a couple other ones that I like, but out of those two, I definitely, I think Cat Williams special was like, that will always be in my top five of specials ever to watch, period. Do you have right? a favorite comedy special? Eddie Murphy Brawl. Are you serious? Dead serious. Right. Eddie Murphy Brawl. I was going to ask you an Eddie Murphy question, but I... We, because I, of all what? of the the, Im, the imagery, the build-up, where he was at the time and I all get of you, that. I get you. What's the question? Go ahead, when you said Eddie Murphy Goat Times 2, remember we did the whole joke? Yeah. How do you feel about people who... Because comedy is a universe. Definitely. It's not just one thing. But there are a lot of people who, like, Eddie kind of just did his two stand-ups and then you just never seen him do, like, big stand-up ever again. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people in recent history, like, especially, you know, the revisionist history, like, why do we keep putting Eddie Murphy on this stand-up list with people who really, really did the stand-up shit like Martin and 
Richard Pryor and and I'm like, yeah, that's easy to say, but you gotta understand something. Delirious and Raw was like, yeah. he hit two grand slams. Like, no bullshit. Delirious and Raw was like ready to die in life at that's death. What I was about to say. <laughs> like, I was literally about to say that. I was literally about to say like those two specials is like ready to die. It like those two albums put Biggie in the top tier rappers of all time. Forever. So those two specials put him in that. But then. Anybody who knows Eddie Murphy who's been around him knows he is by far the funniest person you've ever been around. It's not even a question. It's, I, I've been around him twice. And when I tell you not, I'm talking about effortless. Mm -hmm. Effortless. Like, it's effortless funny. And he's the funniest dude I've ever been around. Just on some just like talking type shit. Funniest shit. And his movies, his his cadence, his everything. Like, there's no way you can't put him. I don't give a fuck if you drop one. The way he produced those two and put that material out there, he's going to always be in the GOAT. If, if I have to take one comedy special, and I know everybody in the listeners knows I'm a Paul Mooney fanatic. But I'm I, I, like, no bullshit. I can remember the energy in my house the night we all sat. My mom, my dad, my sisters, everything. When Chris Rock bigger and blacker dropped, facts, nigga, I because he did it at the Apollo, it was yeah, just like yeah. perfect storm. Because remember, he came off of Bring the Pain and he had the show. True. When bigger and blacker dropped, oh my god, like that shit was like, yo, Chris Rock is like a fucking super, like that, yeah. like bigger and blacker was like my John growing up. And I got another one, uh, Patrice O'Neill, Elephant in the Room. That's a very, that, very great. That's one. a very underappreciated. That's answer. one of those ones where it was like the slow cookers in it. Where you you almost gotta rewatch it, and yeah. every time like I could rewatch it today and pick up something new from. Right. It. Dope. Yeah, yeah. Patrice O'Neill in the room was great. This has been awesome, man. Dope, man. I appreciate y'all. I love having you, man. Uh, give everybody your socials where they can find hey, you man, and all of that. Hit me up on social media, man. Lawrence C three H. Once again, that's Lawrence C three H. Lawrence with a W and not a U. Uh, uh you can hit me up on YouTube. <laughs> Because niggas can't spell. Yeah, so no, I gotta, that's real. I got to let them know. Uh, Comedy Hustle is my YouTube channel. Comedy Hustle on Instagram. Or uh, check out my website, either lawrencekillable.com or comedyhustle.com. Comedy Hustle is the brand. Lawrence Killable is more about me. And uh, that's it, man. That's get it right there. Get you some merch. Get you some candles. Yeah, get you everything. tickets to the birthday weekend. All that, man. Pre all order these coloring books. Comedyhustle.com. And I appreciate y'all, man, for letting me oh, use no this doubt, as an man. outlet, man. Oh, like this I is said, what, this is what it's here for. I want to give y'all the flowers. Like I said, uh, I didn't know too much about the podcast. I knew Chad, and I, and I always saw, but I never really paid attention. I ain't gonna yeah, lie. Like yeah. you know, you see a nigga, you're like, I ain't really paying attention. But then once different people I was around started seeing it, and then I started seeing like the anniversary shows. I was like, oh, let me check this shit out, nigga. And then I got into it. I watched a bunch of y'all YouTube videos, and it was really dope. And I really give y'all flowers. Y'all doing something without you know none of the hoopla, without none of the bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's truly a good podcast, and I appreciate y'all. Oh, that's appreciate real. That. We definitely Thanks appreciate lot, that. No real shit. Definitely. I like when motherfuckers do some shit organically, and it's not a bunch of bunch of hoopla and all that other bullshit. Like, this is some real shit. We in the nigga apartment right here, nigga. Like, the nigga we'll here. Get, are, we got some meetings. We trying to get some hoopla going. Like, <laughs> we trying to get some hoopla. We looking for some hoopla. Like, nigga, this is this some real shit right here, man. Like, nah, that's real. nigga, whatever. This is real shit. Nigga, bed not even made. Like, <laughs> I, I walked there. I said, damn, nigga, nigga, make your bed? No, nigga, just go ahead and do your little shit. Sit the fuck nigga. over there. <laughs> <laughs> this nigga. Shit dope, man. Appreciate y'all for having That's me. Real. Appreciate talk, you, man. bro. TRPE, Chad, Matt, Big Dan, Lawrence Killer Brew. We out. Peace.